welcome to another episode of Horrific uh, Talkspot. Hopefully with less technical difficulties. I think as we do each one of those, these things, uh, we're getting less and less hiccups. And maybe we'll invent we, new ones. I think we might have it this time. Whoa, we're talking and we can hear each other. I know. <laughs> I can see you um, and I can hear you. Oh my <laughs> word. Uh, this is a process, I have to say. Uh, anyone who thinks you can just jump on this thing and it just happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's buttons, knobs, uh, dials, tweaks, and all sorts of crazy stuff that has to happen before we can get on here and talk shit. Yeah, way too much shit for me. That's why I just talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's this for you fighting with roads lately? What's that? What's this for you fighting with roads and deciding to have arguments with uh, roadway uh... You know, I just, I, it's on my motorcycle, I should just say, fuck it, and dump my bike. Yeah, so, uh, that was, that was a whole lot of fun. Nothing like putting thousands of dollars into a bike just to have my wife say, I don't know if I want you riding that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> was it a large pothole, or, like, was it the temperature? No, it wasn't a pothole. That's the fucked up thing. It was, um... Like, I was getting ready to turn into a parking lot, and I hit a patch of gravel. So, because of how my bike set up, like, my ass end stretched out. So, like, here's me. Here's my rear tire. So, as I'm going in, I'm fine. But my back tire hit the gravel, so it uh, flipped my bike up. And, uh, yeah, it was a very, very interesting experience going, hmm, that's not how things are supposed to look. Smash. <laughs> oh, my God. And you've broken your foot, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, broke my foot, rolled my ankle, uh, bruised my ego, busted my mirrors. That was good. <laughs> Mate, I'm dangerous enough with four wheels. Um, when I first, uh, I first had a go on a Honda Fairblade, you know, one of those, it was a one two five. Uh, friend landed to me. The he was trying to get me encouraged and the, oh come get on the motorbiking call and it'll be fun. So I uh, <laughs> go on this thing. First thing I do is decide to introduce it to a wall. <laughs> I was like, boof, <laughs> and I'm just like, ah, uh, you know, knows you whack your head. I had the helmet on, obviously, but you know, you whack your head and just go, yeah, this isn't for me. I'm, I'm gonna die horribly. <laughs> I think I'll just leave it there. Yeah, that, that that's fair. I mean, if that's the first time on a bike, yeah, I'd I'd probably stop yeah, there. I'm, I'm, I'm not good in those sort of things, and I've crashed motorboats, jet skis, bikes, <laughs> quads. So unless it has like a really, that's why I go for saloon cars, because unless it has like a really wide base, nice four stable wheels on a flat road, I'm not exactly safe to be out there. That's fair. So, that is fair. I feel your pain, buddy. I just, uh, I know we're going off on a tangent here, but fuck it, it's our show. We'll do it well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, fun. Here, fuck it. I tell you what, more adventures in social media. Oh my God, buddy, that's... Trying to, trying to reach out to people and build relationships and get people involved with the show unfortunately means going on the social media. Mm-hmm. Which, let's just say, 80% of the time is cool. Like, positive reactions. But fuck, this week, oh my god, I've, like, three lunatics in a, like, a short period of time. <laughs> it's, you just... They always, they always come at once. It's never sparsed out, I swear. Yeah, so first of all, I've been doing a digital media course to try and, uh, uh, just 
until this early lockdown's finished and I'm actually rejoining society again. But, uh, yeah, somebody took exception to my really gruesome masks. Like, apparently Dollar Tree Halloween masks are frightening and <laughs> triggered somebody. So I had fun and games with that. So that was the first thing. And you're like, really? Honestly, is that is that all you've got to worry about? Yeah, what the fuck? How the fuck do you step outside your house if that's what's frightening you? Yeah. So obviously yeah, I'm just going to go and buy more masks because that's what needs to happen. Duh, of course. Because, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. People, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's a thing that when you're engrossed in horror movies and the horror genre and you kind of, you're laughing as somebody's getting eviscerated and you're like, yeah. You forget that there's normal people out there as well. That could be it. Nah, no, nah, that that person's just a, a snowflake. That, that's what it is. Yeah, God. and then <laughs> we're the normal ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You you keep telling yourself. <laughs> I, I have embraced my weirdness a long time ago and just accept it. But <laughs> if you want to hold on to that illusion, that's fine. <laughs> and then I had um, just two. Latest one was a couple of days ago. Just some lunatic decided to go off in one. So I put a thread and I was talking about, you know, places to maybe head up and put it, push out the podcast. And because uh, obviously the whole point, one of the main points is, is to promote authors, aspiring writers, get, you know, give them a platform, get get this out there and obviously create sales. Hopefully, you know, if we can get an author, an extra book sold just by doing our Diffie podcast, why the hell not? That's that's yeah. always a good thing. So start off the conversation with okay where do we go and i think i used the mistake of saying paying customers because if you're selling a product you, you have a paying customer you know that's that's business yep. and oh this lunatic just decided to rant off and go off and one on me as if i was talking about killing babies and then i stupidly answered his points not even argue, but just answered the points. And how dare you speak back to me? I have the right to comment. If you put stuff out there, I can comment and just fucking went off completely wow. through it. And then went on to another thread, completely unrelated, continued on the conversation. And I'm like, do you want to go back to the original thread where this actually makes sense? <laughs> how dare you tell me to go hide? I'm like, hide? No, what? And then they send me a friends request. And then I'm just like, I, I fucking don't need this. I just like block, 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 block. Fucking just yeah. That that's frightening, honestly. <laughs> fucking the world of social media is a horror story in itself. Yeah. And we're starting to get more. In fact, we have a story coming up soon uh, with regards to social media, and I think we're starting to see what was it, unfriended, and there's a couple of other ones. People. Ooh, man, that one, that one was rough. I really tried to sit through it, but I didn't get very far. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> It's maybe one to put in the. Yeah, we'll list. we'll have to do that because I think that's the only way I'm going to be able to actually watch it is if I'm forced to. <laughs> I fucking owe you, by the way. What's that? I owe you. You really? got yourself a nice shit list. Fucking Veronica. Really? Oh Veronica. God! Why why did you do that God. to me? Ah, uh, you know what? Somebody else did it to me, and I had to pass it along. It's 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 almost like it follows, but. Instead of having sex, you get fucked. Oh, Jesus. I felt violated <laughs> after that. Honestly, that was absolutely fucking horrendous. Oh, I've watched it twice now, and I that's that's good enough for me. And the crazy thing is he's making another movie. What? Who 
Yeah, he's How does he's happen? in production on another movie. Well, it's private equity and shit. Well, like he's flying. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just I hope he learned from what he did this time around because it's Glenn Danzig. Like he has the potential to do shit. Like look at all of his music. It's all based around shit that we love. So by all accounts, this should have been a hit, and it was just not. It was like a thirteen-year-old boy who'd never seen babies in his life before going, "I get the show, babies," and then. Obviously, just mm-hmm. the hormones take over and absolutely nothing else. I, I don't fuck that. That is horrendous. And I hadn't planned to talk about it in the show, but fuck, it just came to my head about horrific things that are happening in the mm-hmm. internet. Fucking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's about as horrific as it comes. Uh, it was. Uh, I definitely recommend everybody goes out. Sees it's a right of it's a right of passage. As long as you what, have what a show. terrible movie. Um, this is almost um. Star Wars Christmas special fucking level of almost no it's, it's no. up there. I I look I look forward to watching the holiday special each year. It's not good. It's not fun. But you can sit down, have a couple of drinks in your life day robe, and enjoy the experience. This I will never oh, watch man, again. Uh, <laughs> uh, once was enough for me, and even that, I'm like, I'm texting you going through this, going, the fuck. What the fuck is this? And my only response is, but wait, there's more. <laughs> oh, man. Right. I suppose we'll get in topic, right? What have we got this show today? I suppose we'll, we'll, actually, we'll actually do what we're right. here for. <laughs> okay. That, that sounds like a good idea. All right. So today, what we've got in horrific releases is uh, Blood Vessel and the Mortuary Files, both of which are on Shutter, so everybody can seek it out. It's Perfect, uh, perfect streaming service to have. Um, then uh, in horrific remakes, we're talking about 2018 Suspiria, which oh. goddamn, oh goddamn. Um, and then in the horrific vaults, we have The Curse of Frankenstein, another Peter Cushing classic. Um, and then with the Hammer Horror Hour special, whatever the fuck it is, uh, we've got. Uh, I had it written down. Sorry, people. I promise I'm prepared. Uh, we got Growing Pains and The House That Bled to Death. And with that, let's dive into the first segment. So, I have to say, Blood Vessel... Loved it. Absolutely. Love, 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 love. I, I don't think I can say enough about this movie. It's... Uh, I really? am the opposite. <laughs> I, I think... Okay, so to be fair, I was watching with my wife, and she missed quite a few things in it. Um, so uh, I wouldn't say the whole time, but a good amount of the time was me explaining shit that she missed to her. And then just us talking shit the rest of the time. So I feel like I need to go back and watch this to give it a a, a fair you know, watch. But yeah, I wasn't uh, wasn't too impressed. The, I mean, the makeup's beautiful, like just the, plain and simple. The special effects in this are you know, perfect, top, but man, the story was, the story was well, a little rough. This is classic monster movie. You know, we've we've got too many of mm. these intellectual pieces coming into horror 
where people are trying to be clever and actually not being so. Um, we've talked about mm-hmm. a few movies recently, and yeah, it's just classic of case of the director trying to be something, trying to give some sort of message, and then actually forgetting how to tell a story. To me, this was just a classic <laughs> monster movie story. Um, I like the fact that it was set during uh, the tail end of World War Two, just before the the end of it. Uh, yeah. It actually made for an interesting setting. And to me, they got oh, yeah, definitely. like they didn't go overboard. Like I didn't see any CGI, which was refreshing in today's age. Because to me, until they figure out how to mix CGI with practical effects and still retain some magic, once you see CGI, you're kind of lost. It's like you, you you know how it's made. Well, in this this movie definitely did that. Like that's that's the thing with uh, CGI. It's like it has to be a perfect blend. Um, I mean, the most obvious thing is like hiding of wires and stuff. Like uh, it's a lot of that and something like this where people are getting thrown around, um, and then like the the glowing of the eyes, just subtle little things that are sort of like the cherry on the top for the actual practical effects. Like it's. Definitely perfect in this. Yeah, they really. Case. You can see that they really put the effort in. So basically, the premise of the story is mm-hmm. um, a ship gets sunk. Once uh, sure it was a British or I think it was an American vessel. Yeah, it was an American vessel. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the, the troops so. were American, so obviously makes sense. The support staff. So it's an American vessel, but it also has uh, Australian, Russian, and two Brits. So it's like a mixed bag. They're on a life raft. Uh, and you can actually, in the background, when they're, you can actually hear like explosions still in the background, but it's far off. Cause, and that, to me, that's mm-hmm. a horror to see. If, I love ocean based movies because yeah. it's the one area of the planet that we are still afraid of that still owns us. We have not mastered mm-hmm. the ocean. We, we cannot go further down than a mile without getting in trouble. You cannot go further away than two miles from shore. Yeah. You're going to get in trouble. So even with, today's technology this the ocean still owns us and this is 1944 so you know in even back then radar had just been invented that was the pinnacle of technology so you can picture that if you're lost in the sea back then that was it you that's her that's frightening yeah. enough and then they come aboard uh, come across this nazi ship so you're an allied force and your rescuers are going to be nazis and We've got a Russian who's being very quiet and coy, but he's obviously been through some trauma. Everyone knows what the Nazis are up to. So, first of all, your rescue ship's a Nazi ship. Fuck. So, that that's up. that on its own, without anything else, is just like, oh, shit. <laughs> they could have made an entire movie from that. Yeah. And then everything's red. You know, I mean, all the lights are red. Like, they really harmed this up as a, like, like a ghost ship. It was... I just thought it looked really creepy and cool. I haven't seen that in a long time. Mm-hmm. So all yeah, these definitely. guys, um, complaint. I suppose a complaint to start. Like they killed the captain for no reason. Of, I don't. I don't know if he was the ship's captain. I think he was. He was the ship's captain, but he was on the life raft. So before they get on the ship, obviously, I think they just needed a death to warm everybody up. But he gets mm-hmm. uh, thrown in the ocean and chopped up by the rotors, you know, and. To me, it was just a bit of a pointless scene because there's more than enough in this movie. Yeah, it, it did seem like they were trying to, you know, show that oh fuck anybody can die. But it's like 
we haven't known the characters long enough to give a fuck yep. that he died. And this is a thing I do actually take the time to let you get to know the characters in this, so it becomes uh, mm-hmm. you become invested, which is missing. That, that's why I love this movie because it's so refreshing with all the trite that's out there to actually see something that's been made with a bit of effort. The Australians seem to have this mm-hmm. um, thing when they make movies. The they're either completely cheesy or brilliant. You know, I don't know what it is. I think that they have a because they're not tied into the Hollywood market, and I think when they get money, they just do their own thing. They have this kind of it's like they're the last bastion of creativity because they just don't care. Mm-hmm. Well, with Australia, like the a lot of the money is like private from the government um so they don't have the issue with you know having this executive telling them this this one telling them that this financier doing this like they just go hey government we got this and government's like here's money make it which is actually so i think that's why we get a lot of freedom out of um, australia you get films. freedom from the government especially today's <laughs> right but um long may i continue and maybe if that if they do a few more and start leeching it into the rest of the world, then we might get our movies back. <laughs> Instead of this utter trend that we have at the moment. But, um, yeah, so they're on the ship and obviously something's wrong because it's completely deserted. And these these people are bricking it because ship, we're on a Nazi ship, we're going to get horrible things done to us. And it was actually interesting mm-hmm. to, to go and explore and uh, the change in the Nazi uniforms. I don't know why, but I find that quite amusing and actually fitting with the story. Hey, I mean, they're clean. They're fresh. Yeah, so, I mean, there's the, that. Okay, we're wearing Nazi <laughs> uniforms now. It's really interesting. Uh, just cover mm. and stuff with the logos, but... The... Yeah, no, the only one that made sense was the, um, the Soviet guy because, well, he was missing a fucking shoe and he was going to get frostbite so made sense that he put on some clothes everybody else said yeah it's like i, I think they just wanted to dress yeah, like nazis um, oh he was a great character i've been through worse i can't mm-hmm. russian accent but yeah i've been through worse and it's like okay yeah he, he was like the comedy relief i think the not comedy relief because he's uh, very straight how would you put it well i mean he, he definitely was like to an extent because of how straight he was like it was just so yeah dry that it was hilarious especially in situations like that that's that's typical squatty humor you know mm-hmm. shit's falling down all around your head and you just make a joke about it you know and just get all that so that was good mm-hmm. so we start to see these people are exploring and to me this is what they did really clever they they managed to find the right balance of teaching you about the characters and their interplay while solving this mystery Mm -hmm. because it's a classic monster movie mystery thing they're trying to find out what the hell Mm -hmm. happens and then when the the australian the russian goes up to the the actual uh command deck and they find the the navigator just like dismembered yeah it was it was the russian and the uh one of the cooks Um, so Mm -hmm. they discover a body and Instead of going, oh shit, we need to get off this boat and find a life raft immediately, they're like, no, let's not tell anybody. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay. And yeah. the actual distrust, because I don't think people realize that although the Allied forces were the Allied forces, there were still competing um, philosophies, ethoses. Everyone was pretty much an independent nation mm-hmm. and not necessarily 
best of buddies, if that makes sense. Everything, everyone has yeah. this worldview of every country and creating character just automatically gets along, but you don't. If you have national identity, you have differences. And I like the way they played with us during mm-hmm. the during the movie. So the tensions there, particularly between Russia, you know, and the Allied, the rest of the Allied forces, you know, it was a was it a marriage of convenience, sort of thing, so to speak. But generally, typical mm-hmm. enemies having to come together to beat the another enemy, you know, so they weren't exactly comfortable with each other, and it was a really good interplay through the movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, when discovered the little girl, um, I don't know, but the way the the put her like the Miss, what'd you call her, Miss Jenkins? Was it? Oh, shut up. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't remember what her name Prescott, was. Sorry. Oh, Miss Prescott. Yeah, Miss Prescott. Um, she discovers this like, uh, was it? Wasn't Victoria? It was Elizabethan, the first year doll. You know, there was remaining domains like antique mm-hmm. doll, and then it just happens to belong to the little girl they find. Like that, that to me, that was red flag straight away. It's like, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's something going on, not quite right here. What's what's happening? <laughs> and then. The little girl's like the only thing alive, can't speak, you know, there's something, but that's fine. They bring her bring her along, they start to try to solve this mystery. The whole atmosphere in the ship, that's what I'm saying, I love the whole atmosphere in the ship. They actually managed to make it grimy and dirty and, you know, realistic. It just reminds me of like really old yeah. um, 80s, 70s, 80s movies where the, they actually put a bit of effort into the scenery where mm-hmm. to me it, it felt a lot mm-hmm. like alien like just the claustrophobia of it all like you know there's a lot of ship but it doesn't feel like there's yeah. a lot of ship and ships are claustrophobic things anyway you know it's it's one of the things people mm-hmm. get tested for when they go in the navy is can you live in a corridor when all the hatches are closed and uh, submarines are worse apparently um, talked to a couple of guys about that but yeah, fuck yeah, that noise. Not my cup of tea. <laughs> I like my space. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they did that really well. But the set design and everything was just wonderful. Because I'm sick and tired of crisp, mm-hmm. clean CGI where there's not a speck of dust or water dripping or anything. It's just too sanitized. So it's nice to actually mm-hmm. get in and see this kind of thing. And nothing actually really happens until... Did they discover the other crew member before the captain? Wasn't it? They found the other mm-hmm. crew member and he's like spazzing out. He's he's locked up. And the little girl leads mm-hmm. him to him. So once again, um, there's somebody that could possibly explain what the hell's going on after calming down. And it's like the whole scene's instigated that, <laughs> yeah, this guy's getting shot because you're not going to get the plot straight away, boy sort of thing. Yeah. That was, that was a good scene. And then they discovered the captain, which, uh, what, did he have the back of his head just chewed off or something? Like it was gnarly, or did he shoot himself? Well, it was like, a, it was his neck, but yeah. Yeah, that shit was, that was pretty funny yeah, to come it across. Just... <laughs> it's like it, there was just a little bit of tissue holding it yeah, together. it was pretty gnarly and well done, and still dark, so it wasn't as if you are sitting seeing bright red mm. and just, you know, no, like, uh, torture porn does over the top 
that is just ridiculous. This this was actually I can almost smell it if that makes sense, because I'd imagine there'd be like a sickly sweet <laughs> smell throughout this ship where this mm-hmm. it all went down. And God that I want that book. I, I, I want that prop. Yeah. Like Definitely. for nothing else unless maybe <laughs> that spell book that was sitting on the captain's desk, I want that. Like that yeah, fuck it. effort that went into that alone was worth this movie. That's that's how you can tell somebody's actually went and uh went into attention to detail. This thing is absolutely stunningly beautiful. Like uh <laughs> and then I'm starting to get Raiders of the Lost Ark type vibes, you know, you know where the Nazis you know, oh, yeah, definitely. With all these artifacts and that, that's that's insane. Once I saw the spell book, I'm thinking Raiders of the Lost Ark, Alien. You know, they're bringing these uh, ideas together because the Nazis were just nuts for. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know because militarily, like they had the world kicked in the balls, but that wasn't enough. They wanted to go and cast spells as well, and this is documented and legit. Mm-hmm. Um, when you actually see. Uh, ideas. It's always been it's been a horror trope for like many years, and works really well. <laughs> no, not Nazis aren't satisfied with just being fucking megalomaniacs. They have to be wizards and sorcerers as well. It's just nuts. So we start to get uh, start to unpick. You know, we're getting journals. We're starting to see a bit of the history, and we've discovered that they went to Romania. So. You start putting the pieces together if the title of the movie hasn't already given it away and the the artwork. Yeah. So they've been to Romania, basically Transylvania, the uh went to discover some old ones. What they're planning to do with them, I've no idea. Yeah, yeah it never does like, explain. What, what was your end goal here? Did you think that you're just gonna release these vampires and set them loose in the world or were you gonna experiment on them? Because, they're, yeah, they're, they're all about the super soldiers, maybe, as part of that. Did I see something about... No, it was just expedition teams, so we're just seeing photos of expedition teams. So I think they were just mm-hmm. gathering every artifact they could. I think that was part of the mad scramble of the whole Nazi cult of, you know... There was this sex, I can't remember what it was called. But they were dedicated to the paranormal. They explored in the Hellboy mm-hmm. as well. The Hellboy series when they discovered him, you know, there's this whole branch mm-hmm. of the military, and that's that's gotta say something. When you're fighting a world war and you've still got time and money to dedicate the branch to look at spooky shit, you know, you know what I mean? There's, <laughs> right. there's something about priorities are. <laughs> yeah, but that's mm-hmm. that was the whole thing. So I think they were just looking to gather every arcane artifact they could, and this was just one such vessel that went uh, yeah went out searching or was on a particular mission. Because I don't know where this um, was. It off the coast of Europe. I honestly don't think they, they ever really explained. We know that. it was coming from Romania, but we don't know where it was heading to. Hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I'm not sure. It's about the only explanation was just you know that it was towards the end of the war, so the Germans were bombing every ship, including medical ships and stuff. So, yeah, I don't. I don't honestly think it told us where yeah, it was, but it is assumed that uh, that ship had been out mm-hmm. for quite some time. Yeah, well, they so. got it with the rotten food and yeah, just the state and disrepair and the decomposition of the bodies. You know, this isn't something that happened recently, which 
yeah. maybe that's why they felt comfortable. Like, I'm sorry, but if I'd just come in and then seen the ship in a complete massacre and if the blood was still dripping, I'd be <laughs> life vote off or hide in a corner and lock myself yeah. in. I wouldn't be looking around the ship. Pretty much. <laughs> you know, that's just self-preservation. But uh, yeah, they did this really well. Um, and then it comes out when they actually reveal that the the young girls in the film Vampire, which we all knew from the start, it was like, she was she was no innocent. Oh yeah, yeah, it was, it was just. Obvious. I don't even know if they play. They didn't go as far as playing tinkly music. Whenever she was like, but she was looking suspiciously, and she was a bit too playing it, being afraid. But she was she knew what she was doing. You know what I mean? So when she mm. was revealed to be a vampire, we all knew it. Um, I don't know why they set the British guy up as the being the little weasel. It didn't make sense. I was just another you know, like a a couple of niggly complaints. About yeah, the, there was zero the payoff. First was the captain, like that didn't make sense. This guy being who he was, yeah, mm. if he was a code breaker, fine, but making the character the way he was just, I didn't get it. Yeah, it it really didn't make sense. Like there was no payoff for his character being the way he was. Because yeah. uh, at this point, because of the situation, we didn't need to, you don't need a character to hate, if that makes sense. They tried it with the cook as well, mm-hmm. making him a coward. But I think in this, just a group of people in a shitty situation was enough. And this is where I think um, directors overthink things or they try to be more clever and throw too many things in instead of keeping it mm-hmm. simple. Yeah, I think Yeah, I think it was just a, a case of misdirection, but it didn't work. Well, thankfully it didn't last too long. It didn't take me away from the story. You know, I mean, like I said, a couple of niggly points. Yeah. Just the like the animosity between the two cooks was okay. It kind of explained their characters that they knew each other. But once again, he managed. I think the director managed to, and I forgot to look up the director's name, but at least he managed to rein that in and not let it take over the whole story. Where a lot of horror stories, just movies in general, would just focus on that animosity, and that would take over the entire script, and actually you would lose the movie. So, mm-hmm. thankfully, those two things that were, could have possibly taken away from the story were reined in very quickly. Um, we were able to move on. Yeah. But, oh my God, once again, those coffins, God, would you love one of those in your bedroom? Oh my God. Once yeah, again, absolutely. The, the level <laughs> of intricacy they put for props that weren't really being, mm-hmm. like, they weren't the main show. They were just, like, in the background mm-hmm. and open, but those coffins were the the vampires absolutely stunning yeah i mean that was very much mm-hmm. raiders like that was straight up the ark of the covenant like it was dope as hell yeah um that, that's what's made me fall in love with this movie because somebody has actually put love they haven't just went right let's mm-hmm. let's make something and throw it there they've actually went and crafted this thing that this would be something you would be proud to yeah. have you know or if it was displayed somewhere, God, really intricate, beautiful artwork has went into the props mm-hmm. and the makeup. Oh, the the actual two elder vampires. That that has been the that was the best makeup I've seen in a while. Oh yeah, yeah, that was just classic. Nosferatu, this is Nosferatu territory. You know, there's no, they're not pretty, sparkly, fucking glowy vampires. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's zero humanity in those yep. those Humans creatures. Are just 
that's it. But mm. an underlying tone, which they did bring out, which I have to say, this is a family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is a family of vampires that loved each other. And that, that was actually, that was actually yeah, brought out. Yeah, we, yeah, we get that before mm-hmm. we even see them too. Just the little girl keeps spouting yeah. familia, familia. Like, and this, this wee girl just, um, that's her parents. She wants her parents back. And for some reason, she got released. And yeah, I don't mm. get, she was in a, like a, a shift dress, almost as if she was a peasant girl. But that's a wee thing that didn't make sense. And I know, the, I know they had to dress her up to get the reveal later on that she was a vampire. But when you see these other two, the, the parents basically elegantly dressed, you'd think that she'd be in the same mm-hmm. vein. So I don't know what happened there. Um, it's only thinking about it now. It didn't take me away from the story at the start. So did they take her out first thinking she'd be easier to manage? That's where I, yes, that's where I'm thinking it's going. Somehow... They were transporting these. Someone's got stupid and let the little girl out. Or, because you didn't see mm. any labs in the ship. This is purely a transport ship. Yeah. So they weren't doing experiments on the ship. That's I suppose that's a point we'll have to make. We haven't seen any evidence that they were conducting experiments. They were just transporting. So they're up. Yeah, no, and you can tell that definitely Like when they're going to the uh, cabin that has the yeah. uh, sarcophagus in them. Like, there's piles of gold and all kinds of shit. So, yeah, it's purely so just a transport vessel. they let the little girl out of her coffin? Or did they not capture her? This is a, this is a little thing they left out. So, somehow, mm-hmm. maybe they captured... Actually, that would make more sense, because we didn't see a third coffin, did we? I'm trying to think now. No, I right? don't... So, they captured one. the parents... This is where I think the stories went. They've captured the parents, they're transporting it, and the little girls got onto the ship. I think that's what the stories went. So they've kidnapped their parents. She went, fuck you, I'm not having any of this. She's went on the ship. She's mm-hmm. mangled this is and this is the youngest of them. Has mangled the entire crew. But somehow can't figure out doors. Yeah. So <laughs> that's like I'm nitpicking here trying to find faults because I'm proper gushing over this movie <laughs> if you haven't uh, guessed already so th- this is uh, this is a good thing of storytelling because if you leave it open you can fill in your own blanks someone else can have a theory and mm-hmm. that's where you get discussions and that's if a good story has you talking then that's it that's how it lives on so maybe it's good they didn't explain it, but mm-hmm. that's that's my theory anyway. They've kidnapped the parents, the little girl's twigged on, and she somehow got on the ship, mangled the crew, but somehow can't get the doors open. So that was it. But then finally, like, yes, this is where the fun starts with uh, vampires being able to manipulate minds. This element they brought in, and mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was just wonderfully done and not over the top. Of you know vampires having abilities, so they get this guy to start opening yeah. coffins because yeah, that's a smart thing to do when you're shipwrecked in a Nazi ship that's just been mass massacres taking place and you don't know what the hell's going on. You you start poking into things that maybe you shouldn't. Makes sense. <laughs> so and and then you start seeing the telepathy happening. So obviously the 
the vampire is strong enough, especially the eldest one. He's he's strong enough still, even in the state, to reach out and get the token crew member and they open them up because that's what you do. You you start opening and spilling blood into a vampire because that always works out well. <laughs> Thing I don't get is they come across the vampire killing kit. And nobody thinks to hold on to the fucking thing. I don't think the twig dawn. You know what I mean? Uh, the way I say it, it's a whole... <laughs> like, this is um, a research, uh, transport vessel with just arcane artifacts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I don't know. Fuck that shit. Like, if I came across something like that, that shit would just be like, oh, okay, I'm clearly stuffed in my pockets. Yeah, I suppose. If that's... <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> but did they, had they twig... Like, we're obviously old and seasoned horror nerds, so... We're autom- and obviously we know it's a vampire movie, so we're automatically thinking vampires. But yeah. if you're in a situation you're not too sure about, and you don't know what's going on, yeah, do you think like a few vials and a steak's going to help you? You're looking for machine guns. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're thinking like, this is modern times and superstition, although still up to the 1930s, superstition was a massive thing. Still... Um, uh, it was moving away from the modern world, so maybe. But yeah, that was like er, er, that could have been useful. But yeah, when the vampires <laughs> are finally released, oh my god, they're terrifying. And the the whole th- able yeah. to like hypnotize and they start playing. I suppose I better rush this on because I'm really good off on one with this. <laughs> but essentially, then the vampires try to escape. These people are running for their lives. They managed to kill the mother vampire because I don't think they were given names or I can't remember them. Yeah, no, I, I don't but remember any names. Even she was using hypnosis and playing with all... And then you start getting more mm-hmm. backstory, so everyone's had like a traumatic um, event that's went on and she's using that against them, which I suppose that was like um, Event Horizon type stuff as well. You know what I mean? They've, they've taken tropes from really good movies and brought them together and they've done it like understated and low budget but with love in it that's why, that's why I'm kind of mm-hmm. like a real fan of this uh, movie but yeah even towards the end they managed to kill the vampires but who bit uh, Prescott it was a little girl uh, it was a little girl it was right in the beginning yeah, yeah, it was right in the beginning after uh, she gave her yeah, the doll and stuff. Yeah, she was actually frightened, but she had bitten her, and then that was obviously coming on. So, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, final battle, the, the family managed to kill uh, the main vampire. He he freaks out when his wife gets killed and his daughter. He's like, the, you know what I mean? He is livid. And that's, that's what I'm saying. It's, it wasn't just um, evil creatures that just see everything else as not them. They were a family, and that... That was almost heartbreaking when you bring that. You know what I mean? That they're a family being ripped apart after so many centuries. There, you get. You actually got a bit of a feeling of that in the movie, which maybe it's just me being a freak and on the monster side. I don't know. <laughs> no, it, it yeah, definitely I, I comes. It was across. really well done. They did that. Um, but no, uh, they did the final girl trope, and I was going about. Uh, here we go again, but. Obviously, they get rescued by an allied ship, wasn't it? So, two of them left, mm-hmm. and then they're in the ocean. He, uh, Sorry, folks, if I'm skipping on, but go watch the movie, honestly, because there's a lot in it to go through. It's a really good, yeah. really good show. 
Uh, she decides then, oh, she's a vampire now, bites him. And then she's like the survivor, but she's not really because she lives to carry on. It was, you know, it was uh, it was a really good, well done movie. And the pacing I thought was brilliant. It didn't try to like wrap everything up in the last 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that I love that when it's a monster movie and you don't see the monsters until at mm-hmm. least halfway through. And if I remember correctly, that's how this was. It was like just past the halfway mark when we finally see um, the, or actually it was past, way past that when we actually see the monsters. Um, I mean, of course, we got the little glimpse of the little girl like um, backing away and her eyes are glowing. Um, yeah, I, I thought, I yeah, love it. And then they don't happens. try to cram it all into 10 minutes, which was seen with a lot of movies that they spend mm-hmm. so much time building suspense and then everything just accelerates this actually maintained its pacing throughout which yeah you need to build oh, yeah. up again and just you know yeah it's it's definitely one that i'm gonna i'll, I'll probably it'll be like a middle of the night by myself type of movie just because I, I feel like i didn't give it a, a fair yeah, I shot find there's a difference between when you're um got earphones or headphones on and you're actually submersed in a movie for a couple of hours as opposed to sitting with a group of people and watching because that's that's where the distractions and all come in and you're doing this that and the other so this is one for just to watch on your own i think first of all then you can enjoy it afterwards but yeah there's there's a lot to unpack in it that's a it's really well learned and the pacing was brilliant and they did the effects beautifully and like i said i just i've been waiting i've been getting despondent with movies and i'm glad this one came along it actually revitalize me again just to get back into it yeah cool so all thumbs up really enjoyed that one check it out folks excellent uh next thing um mortuary collection obviously as was spoken before because of the lurgy lockdown cinemas slash movie theaters aren't open so we can't go out and do Mm -hmm. popcorn flicks and then talk about it afterwards so we just have to go with the releases um Shutters turned out to be the go-to. Excuse me, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. We've actually seemed to have better releases in November than October, which is a bit weird. Yeah, I was kind of surprised with that. Like, we didn't really October get shit in October. Crap. I was like, come on, this is supposed to be the month. And then the whole off, mm-hmm. and then the releases, films in November. I'm like, oh, what? This would have been so much better if it had been released last month, these two, but... Yeah, no, the Mortuary Collection was a straight-up fucking yeah. Halloween movie. Like, I, I feel like that's what... Those are some of the best Halloween movies, or anthologies. Because it's just fun little snippets that, you know, you can hold on to for a few minutes, and then you're immediately on to the next yeah, one. Yeah, it's refreshing. Um, this one is... Uh, there's an overland, overarching story reason for this, so they've done this quite cleverly. Um, so, obviously, the premise of the story is uh, young girl... Uh, goes into a mortuary there's a funeral that's just taken place and she's hanging around the coffin of the deceased now we know she's up to no good she's like a bit of a sketchy character the mm-hmm. chief mortician uh, he he interrupts her and then she uses the excuse of you know oh, I'm planning for the job and he looks a bit confused but there's a thing mm-hmm. saying help wander outside which he hadn't noticed before which straight away you're getting pinged supernatural House has a life of its own. There's something else going on here. This this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I can't remember that actor's name, um, but he has been in some great stuff. Yes, yeah, I'm I'm trying to blink Sorry, on his name. Sorry, I need a second monitor. That's something we're going to have to invest in because I need to be over <laughs> here doing stuff. But if I start messing about with this, I'll break break everything. Like I said, we're getting better mm. every episode, but <laughs> still a wee while to go before this is a complete well-oiled machine. And even then, we'll still manage mm. to fuck up because why not? That's part of the fun. Yeah, of course, but, yeah, why not? <laughs> he, he's like, oh, really? And just so uh, blase about it. So we know it's a supernatural event and then he starts to interviewers so to speak for the position and then it comes out oh let's tell each other or I'll tell you scary stories how'd that come about again you watched it again didn't you mm-hmm. oh did you no I didn't get a chance to but yeah that's I mean that's essentially what happens is that you know they're she's like uh, talking about, oh, you know, what are the stories behind everything? And he's like, oh, everything yeah, has a story. Goes into, okay, we'll scare me then with a story. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's three, four stories told throughout this. Um, mm-hmm. As cool, like, sorry, if I have, if it's it's been a couple of weeks ago and my, I've been crazy the last, I've just been filled to the tilt. So it's getting the old memory banks in. But yeah, the first story is a pickpocket. She's a girl at a, is it a nightclub or a house party? It was a house party, and it was, it was a great way to start it because it was a very quick story, like really, really quick, like just a few minutes. It's just really simple monster. She's she's been picking pockets. She goes in, she's checking her loot, looks at the medicine cabinet because any horror movie ever, yeah, you you go into the medicine cabinets. You, anyone knows in a horror movie, don't go near medicine cabinets. They're not good. Yeah, no shit. It's like she's never watched oh, House before. Yeah. For fuck's sake. <laughs> oh my, we have to we have to do that sometime. The I fucking love house. Yeah, so we'll I'm down that's one for the list. Um, but yeah, starts opening. Tentacles comes out, just eats her straight up. Like it was, I think it was a ten minute. Was it even ten minutes? I don't even know if it was, it was, like it was really that much. Just, it was, it was like done. Which also, mm-hmm. uh, when it brings you back to the the mortuary again, she's like Liam, and then he's like, ah, I was just warming up. So actually, they deliberately mm-hmm. did that story um, just to just to, you know warm me up and make you think, oh, is this the way it's going to be? So this is really clever. You know, they have um, they're setting you up already that they know it's going to escalate. So as a mm-hmm. as a viewer, you know this is going to ramp up, and really appreciated that. Was the second one about the the frat party or the? Yeah, the second one was about the frat party. Yeah, yeah, the second one was that. Yeah. So essentially, that this was actually the freakiest one. Th- this was like, yeah. <laughs> this was fucking. Great. Honestly, you you want to go and join a monastery after this, and if you're at high school age or just starting college, yeah, you'll at least put on a fucking rubber yeah. for Christ's sakes. Like, it's that that is the strongest message in this movie is hey, put on a goddamn con. It's not hard, you know. <laughs> And you just bragged about all your partners, so yeah, we've got a sense. If you're playing, if you're playing the game that hard, fucking worse than padding. But yeah, essentially he yeah. he's Mister Suave and Cool, and uh, you see him starting off with the whole uh, women's liberation movement or talking to them, and then it turns out he's one of these. Um, there's a biological term I found out recently, and they're called sneaky fuckers. Have you heard of that? It's actually in the it's actually in the aquatic kingdom. So what you have is like the male fish 
of this particular species. He um, basically has his, you know, territory, and he therefore he's the alpha male. He shoves out other beta males. So what you have is another, mm. and it's quite uh, in tune with today's society. So you can see the par uh, parallels. So what you'll have is that a beta male wants to get some. So it will then pretend to be a female fish. You know, it'll, I don't know how it does it, but I'll need to look into the species more. But it pretends to basically be a female fish. So the, the alpha male doesn't notice it. Mm -hmm. It swims past. And then it gets into the, you know, the alpha male's territory and starts screwing all around it. So it's an actual biological term, sneaky fucker. <laughs> yeah, so this That's guy's being shit. a sneaky fucker. He's like... I'm on your side. Yes, I feel your cause. I want to empower you. As in, I want to put your knickers mm -hmm. off. And, <laughs> and then you see. I mean, hey, I am all for female empowerment when it comes to that. Like, call me a renaissance man, I guess. <laughs> I'm all about uh, just be yourself. Fucking, I don't care who anybody does what, but whatever. <laughs> just fucking be decent. That's it. And it's all part of the mm -hmm. meeting game. Some people want to be lied to, you know. I don't know, let's, fucking, let's not go into that shit because uh, that was another rant that was going to happen yeah. on social media, fucking Horace channels posting about politics and shit, fuck. But it's just the fact that yeah. he's suave and cool and he, he plays that sort of game and then one of his uh, acolytes is the only way because this is set up. These, uh, well, you're American, you probably know more about it than me, the, the whole college campus thing. Yeah, I know about it because I, I went to school. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's there's always, I mean, it's a pecking order in a fraternity, just like any other um, group of friends. Um, and yeah, this guy clearly has, you know, been in much longer than the other guy that we meet in the very beginning that's handing out condoms. Um, and the, the big deal about all this is um, they have a ceremony where once you've reached oh so many partners, they put your flag up on the wall and that's essentially what he's trying to attain through doing all this stuff and he does end up achieving that and that whole ceremony is fucking hilarious like i thought that's so great he's oh god oh god oh god and everybody's like trying to uh, cheer him on the best so just funny. <laughs> after because yeah. obviously this, i suppose we'll go back so, sorry we, we went off on a wee tangent there or i did anyway <laughs> sorry i do yeah. this but um he has sex with his girl. He, he throws the condom away because he doesn't like the feel of it. You know, that, that old chestnut. Mm -hmm. I suppose it was the 70s, so obviously there were general animals back then. They didn't have super thin, but still. That's, yeah, I guess that's true. Because, I mean, condoms nowadays, like, you get the right ones. Like, you spend some actual money. They're pretty damn good. But he's just like, no, I'm not doing this. And then, obviously, the day after, he's picked up something nasty and we think it's an STD, <laughs> yeah. and he's just falling to bits. And then they're having this ceremony, and instead of enjoying it, he's just like, oh, I just want to go and die. And then mm -hmm. it carries on until he rings her, doesn't it? Yeah, he rings her. Yeah. Yeah. And then, it, like, she, you know, was playing all coy, like nothing happened. And then he ends up actually going to visit her because he's not finding out what the hell's going on and what she gave him. Yeah, and then the parents are like, not again. <laughs> That's when you do. That should be red flags. You're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, fuck. What's going on here? So, yeah. um... <laughs> yeah, and that... 
that final scene where uh you know he's getting ready to give birth because that's what we ultimately find out is that she's some sort of demon and you know if they don't wear protection she gets them yeah, knocked oh, up that was that was... <laughs> having his dick explode i was laughing my ass off like i almost shot popcorn out of my nose because of how hard i was laughing i'm just giving it the whole oh, and the whole distinct yeah. belly and like the parents are just like oh. yeah. how does it come out well the same way it went in oh fuck <laughs> and the parents it's are just so like oh, here's no and she's on the phone arranging the next date that that was just yeah. so <laughs> in front of her parents so you know this is all fucked up <laughs> oh yeah well, then, and then it ends with them carrying the baby upstairs into the nursery, and there's like a bunch of other babies. It's like, man, those fucking yeah, poor then, parents. Just she's like, no, <laughs> and then she's like, ah, shit. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, brilliant. Uh, the third. Yeah, that one was so. Slick. We'll cut back to the mortuary again, and then she's like, better. And no, it's a banter between these two. It's quite cool, but you know, you kind of wonder where it's going because it doesn't really spell it out. Uh, with the whole story, you know, there's something on their land about this place, and it's not normal, but you don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and you also don't know whether it's mm-hmm. him or whether it's her that the story is yeah, focusing on. Like, I, re- I really like that aspect. Yeah, because I like to be surprised. It's nice to actually not be able to tell the plot from like minute one, mm-hmm. the first scene. So yeah, definitely. Right. So. Refreshing change. So the third one I thought was pretty dark. That was oh yeah, uh, definitely. Grim. So it went from like quick sharp shock to horrific, funny, you know, fun. But this one was dark. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, this one. Well, this one was real because it's like that's that's a legit fear that people have. You know, when you're in a relationship, like what if something like that happens? And, you know, how do you carry on with caring for your partner when your partner's yeah. not even really there? And that was the whole thing. He's uh, husband and wife, obviously. They didn't explain. She just got ill. So they didn't say it was a stroke or mm. it was a brain tumor or what. Just, you know, she basically went in a catatonic state. Mm-hmm. And obviously it, it shows a whole, you know, I mean, the doctor's coming and this guy's been doing this obviously for a long time, a couple of years. He's broken as a man, mm-hmm. just completely, you know... He doesn't know if she's in there or not. And every time he tries to get a bit of a glimpse of, you know, are you still in there? He just doesn't know. And even the doctor suggests, and this is where it's like, even the doctor's going, I'll give you these pills. Obviously, if you take more than the exceeded dose, like, <laughs> who, who the hell will do that in this day and age? Because these are all sick yeah, no back shit. in time. But, well, I mean, there are at least, you know, over in uh, my neck of the woods, there are some states where that's legal. But... Yeah, no, that's that's crazy as shit for the doctor to be like, yeah, I mean, yeah, just, you know, if she was to have this much, you know, she would go out so and it's not traceable. Don't say no more. Um, yeah, they have <laughs> not debate over here. It's um, like there's pickets in Holland to have dignitas. There's different, you know, the whole assisted suicide debate is happening. And there's so much, I think it's exploitation is a big thing. Just, People just, are terrified that it's it'll just become a vehicle to bump off your elderly to get their estates. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm all for it, and I think it's fucking stupid that people don't get that choice. Like it's, I mean, I've already come to the conclusion that's, that's how I'm gonna just, go out. 
unless yeah. I die randomly, like I'm probably gonna be like, "Oh fuck, I'm 75. God damn, this sucks." I'm too All much right, of an peace. independent person. The thought of <laughs> being in a nursing home and having people have mm. the white hours for me, and I just don't. I'd rather go either maintain some dignity and just have a heart attack one day, or go early. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. my feelings on it. Obviously. Everyone yeah. has their own no, thoughts and feelings. We're not you. preaching anything for so for the fucking blue. No, no, of course not. Upon us. <laughs> we'll call his names, but it's like obviously yeah. until you've been in that situation, you just don't know. Yeah, I've I've buried too many people and cared for too many people like that that I know I don't yeah. want to be like that. So yeah, well, no, it's I, just my I, own I opinion. This in another podcast when I was doing an interview, but um, my own dad took a week to go, and it was the worst week ever. He was fucking broken you know completely you know he he could barely breathe he was nagging he was hooked hopped up on every drug you can imagine and still mm. every minute he was conscious was agony you could just see it in his eyes it was fucking horrendous i would yeah, wish that more worse that. Than I, i'm a coward period <laughs> i'm a coward i could no, i mean there's people shit. i hate with vehemence <laughs> and i would happily see them fucking slaughtered but that shit is just that's not nice and it's not even for that person they're they're sort of in a fog but it's everybody around you that's yeah if you have an option not to do that i'm all for it but that this was like i said this is a really grim story and the only thing that takes me away from it was he was already told that if he gave her the pills she would slip away quietly wouldn't be traceable nobody would say a word even the doctor says i'll come pronounce a death we'll Mm -hmm. write it all off you're good to go he basically gave him the golden ticket to do it. Mm-hmm. So why did he start chopping? Oh, yeah. shit, it's because... Oh, that was... Well, that was yeah. the, the twist of the movie, because, of course, like, if she just died from the overdose, that's it. You know, he's clean and free. But he's rearranging shit, because, you know, he wanted to have a beautiful dinner, and... It was a statue. It was a statue. I don't remember what the statue... Yeah, he... he yeah, he had got her a statue because she was obsessed with him during her life and puts it in front of her and she goes out because of the overdose and face right into the fucking statue. <laughs> so it straight up that, looks like he murdered her, which yeah, which did. Um, yeah, I was trying to think, what, what was the bit that made this go from a grim movie just to thinking <laughs> bonkers? Because the minute that happens, this... This just oh, yeah. cranks up the gear and puts the accelerator pedal down and just goes fucking dental. Yeah, yeah, no, from there on out, it's just a nonstop, holy fuck, oh my god, what do I do? And then it gets stuck in the elevator trying to get her out. That shit yeah, was that so fucked up. Well with another episode that, uh, the recent one they put out, the same sort of elevator scene, but uh, the girl was tied to a chair mm-hmm. rather than being in the crib. But, yeah, it was just complete insanity. I mean, the managers that do it that well that you think, did they actually, uh, was he saying this, or was this in his mind, did this break him, the fact that he did it, and that she had a moment of lucidity? That's what set him off, is that she didn't just slump. She had a moment of lucidity and actually reached out, grabbed him and looked at him, and then fucking fell her head on top of a statue and fucking just... Oh my god, yeah, yeah, just from that moment, it just went, and then, did, oh god, sorry, I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember how this ended, did the, the find him in the elevator? Yeah, yeah, the, the cops found him in there, and, you know, he's he's with the the crate, 
and her corpse, and there's just blood all around him, and he's freaking out. Yeah, and that's how it ends: is him losing his mind there, essentially. Like I said, it's just been this busy couple of weeks, and if I don't watch something straight away, my God, I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> shoot out. But yeah, just left there, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was bonkers. It was, like, really grim, and then it just went completely insane. Like, and also, mm-hmm. you can see the whole overarching thing. These are ramping up. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm like, just, I can't remember what was it. It wasn't popcorn. It was something else, but I was, I'm munching away, just <laughs> riveted. No loving us here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing I loved about this movie was the the final act, like the final tell that he was telling, because of course that's the the whole reason why he's telling stories is because every single person has a story, and it's not until the very end of the story that we find out the the final story he's telling is actually her story and why she's there, because you know spoiler, she ended up killing the she's boy, the babysitter killer, whose funeral she that's was the, That's the third story, the mm-hmm. babysitter killer, which is. Yeah, and the, the... yeah, and that was that was great because it was it was a total twist. Like you, you know who's coming to get him. You know who's coming to just ruin everybody's lives. And then as soon as that person shows up, guess what? That's not the person. It's actually yeah, and her. They did it really well, actually, because um, I still wasn't too sure. And this is what I actually love about this myself. I hate things being spelled out for me. I like to try and figure it out. And I like mm-hmm. to get it wrong sometimes as well. I wasn't too sure if she was the babysitter or if she was a relative and did something wrong. I knew she had a connection to the boy that was in the coffin. I knew that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what it was. And I liked the fact that I didn't know what it was straight away and I had to try and figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. that's good storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. And here we go. Like, the babysitter killer, um, was that her character? No. Was she in it? I can't remember now. Did she play in the story? Um, I, no. No. No, she didn't play in the story. It was, uh, it was somebody else because he, it was a story. Like, yeah. we weren't supposed to know until the end that yeah, that was well, her, it story. her story. Um, yeah, if she had been in that story. Yeah, it would have been too obvious. Away. So, yeah, it was clever the way they did it. Yeah. Well, that's the beautiful thing about it is it's like there's, you know, like we were saying earlier, like it's a total progression of severity. And with this story, there's no humor. There's no slapstick shit. Like even with the the husband who kills his wife, like there's moments of you're going to fucking laugh. Like when the wife impels her head, like you do that one quick. Oh, hmm. Um, but this, yeah, it's just straight horror. And it seamlessly blends into um, the finale of the movie, which is him explaining, yeah, I know your fucking story, lady. And, you know, she, she's trying to get out. She uh, she shot him, right? She that's that's what him, happened. He's immortal and she can't, she can't leave the house. Yeah, that's what it was. Now, yeah. She's been recruited. And that's that was a whole supernatural mm-hmm. thing of uh, the help wanted. Yeah. When he goes, oh, really? The house mm-hmm. is... Um, alive. Yeah. And I, I loved it. Like the moment that she became a part of the house was, you know, when they're walking through the library and, you know, every single book, uh, well, every single page of every single book in that library is someone's story. And, you know, random books start flying off the shelves. 
and then start opening up to random pages. And then we find out they're not random pages. They're the stories that are what are going to yeah. keep her, her there. Her victims? Her victims? And... Yeah, H.H. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she was a serial killer. Her victims, each of the books that were falling down mm-hmm. over the, the course of the years. If I remember rightly, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then we realize that it's the house... Um, when she tries to leave because she tried multiple times to get in and out and it just wasn't going anywhere. And then the, you know, the finale of the man's story, because of course that's when we realized that he was in the same position as her. And that's why he'd been there so long was he finally gets to leave the house and, you know, just the pure relief on his face. As soon as he steps through that threshold of yeah, fuck, it's, it's not done. Even the life, it's the, the death. So he's actually being relieved that he's stepping out yeah. to death because his whole body disintegrates at the end of it. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you just see that. It was really well done. Like It was. Well, and then, and then to finish it off with her telling stories to somebody else, um, and it was great because you could see all her scars because she got tore apart. So that was such a good fucking movie. Like, I really really enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I was going to. Not that I didn't think I was going to like it, but I figured this would be one that's just sort of like, oh, yeah, just that, a was cool. that was cool. Um, like, um, Tales from the Dark Side, mm-hmm. but, um, that's not something that's like gripping, if it makes sense. Because it has the overarching story. The it, boy's isn't getting ready to get cooked by the witch. Mm-hmm. It's not a serious story. No, it's... That's one of the... It's a it's a fun anthology, but it's yeah, not one of the greats, so definitely. That's what I was expecting. This is more of God. Mm-hmm. Just to put that in context. I honestly, I was sort of expecting more like uh, Tales from the uh-huh. Hood Part 2. Because the first Tales from the Hood was fucking amazing. The second one, it was okay. It wasn't, uh, yeah, well, I wouldn't watch it again. And I, I figure that's what this would be. But this is definitely one that I will revisit. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Unless you've got a whole story arc. Well, I think part of the problem, too, is that they had tried so long to make the sequel. Because the first one came out in the 90s. And the sequel was, what, a year or two ago? Um, it just it, it didn't have the same feel. And, I mean, of course, the majority of horror movies have a message whether it's a social, political leaning, uh, just current topics, anything like that, like it's there and it's most of the time it's underlying. Um, but this was just dead on the nose, almost, almost yeah, like punching you in the face with their messages. I just like, it, it made sense. I got it. I appreciate the messages, but it just felt like forcing those messages took away from the story itself. Storytelling anyway, it's, um, and it's a whole nepotism because what we've got now are directors who are sons and daughters of directors. So you're not getting people, and mm-hmm. I've been looking at this here, wonder why it's not just the madness of today, but it's nepotism is the problem. These people aren't earning their place and they've pushed out mm-hmm. young, you know, unknowns. Unknown people can't make their way mm-hmm. anymore in the film industry, except Australia. So keep going, mm-hmm. Australia. <laughs> you've got our <Arvind>. yeah. <laughs> keep making movies please you can happily be the next Hollywood as long as you don't bring that fuckery over <laughs> but um, <laughs> yes please yeah that's what it is it's just these people haven't earned their spot they're busy giving the gold, silver platter and they're doing a harsh job of it mm. 
and there's always been movies are a way of communicating they're a way of delivering messages mm-hmm. but people need the escape they miss the point of escapism yeah why do we like watching gruesome scenes and just because it doesn't happen in day to day life it's complete escapism mm-hmm. of whoa shit yeah and you take yourself out of the real world for two hours that's not happening anymore and that's when you find little gems I guess it's refreshing to actually see because um, we're not we're not getting it but yeah. hopefully it'll change because eventually people are just getting sick and tired of going to movies and this I think as movie theatres are probably going to close now because of the, these God, I, I fucking hope not, man. They'll always survive, but I think the week, you know what I mean? Like anything, um, the weaker ones will close. And then we'll kind of maybe go back to a reset where actually getting people in bumps and seats is important. And maybe mm-hmm. people will have a think. I don't know. I'll, I can always be hopeful that things will maybe go back to actually storytelling. Yeah. Again. And somebody will remember that telling a good story you can deliver a message without beating somebody over the head with it. And the world mm-hmm. goes on and you don't need to have nastiness or if you don't like this movie, you're a such and such, apparently. You know, get relaxed, shit, mm-hmm. that doesn't help anybody. Or you can only be a certain person to watch this movie. It's like, nah, that doesn't work. But, yeah, yeah all in all, two good releases. Actually, we've got a good episode today because we've had some really good stuff. I'm talking about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, shit, fun. coming up next is the yeah, fucking so big one. Yeah, so let's go one. for a horrific remix. I'll just glance into the topic now. Okay, then. So... Let me give a bit of context because you couldn't understand why I hadn't seen the original <laughs> of Suspiria. Yeah, I holy shit. So before we get started on that, let's just say it's Suspiria. I mean, yeah. we already said it at the beginning of the show, but yeah, go on because man, my mind was fucking blown because you know, stupid yeah, American. But I even for, I've forgotten this time because the internet happened in the early nineties, and I I was the first person. I had a Windows ninety five PC. I just took to the internet like a duck to water. I have not looked back. But growing up in the 70s and 80s, the BBFC, British Board of Film Classification, were, they ruled with an iron rod. And there was these things that were called video nasties. And I see, when I heard the term again, it just brought back all the, all the memories. If anything showed too much, I was even the most bit gnarly or over sexualized apart from just general titillation it did not get classified mm-hmm. it actually wasn't allowed to be classified and it got the term video nasty now no internet so it was all anything went back like i'm talking about back the old days of the video store you just didn't get it now what did happen mm-hmm. were certain movies managed to get through because um particularly um uh hm forces if there was people based in Germany, that's where like the hardcore porn got sneaked back. In fact, it used to be customs where like if you went on holiday anywhere, 
customs and excise like they checked your suitcases to make sure you weren't bringing back videotapes of anything nasty that was the thing they looked for it, God, it was crazy. Bad. Like, uh, you're talking like years in prison you're talking about you're talking about Fuck. if you have this in your house and somebody tells social services they're taking your kids off you so if you have a video with it was treated like snuff movies um but i also was telling you last night um these things were treated the same as if somebody actually died in the movie that's how and i forgot i forgot this whole period of that's my life it's, it's weird because like i said from like the age of 12 or something i got on the internet and i just freaking i steamrolled it no not 12 sorry i was older 14 or 15 like it was mid-teens mm-hmm. when the internet came into my life and i just i just moved on and whatever was happening in real the real world just didn't you know in terms of being able to get content if that makes sense so the restrictions mm-hmm. were still there up until like late 90s but then they had the, they just couldn't keep up with the internet and the things that were you're able to this is before streaming obviously you downloaded and uh you bit files and honestly it was even with dial up modems it was friggin it was horrendous to do but you were able to get it <laughs> You actually download like yeah. ten different movie segments and then you clip them all together to watch a movie. <laughs> Fun times, honestly. You had to be super nerdy to be able to do it, but it was worth it. But mm-hmm. yeah, you could not watch these movies. And Suspiria, the original one, was a video nasty. So in the UK, you could not watch this. No. Mm-hmm. That's a shame because this is like one of the most brilliant movies ever. I mean, the story is a little on the lacking side. It's mostly just. Um, you know, dissertation on the physics of light and color and ambience. Like it's, it, it, yeah, it was like a, I mean, for lack of a better term, it was a moving picture. It was just fucking beautiful. And I love that movie so much. And I watched the restored, obviously 4k version. Mm -hmm. Now here's my thing Mm -hmm. about restoring movies. They always look at the visuals and they don't look at the sound. Uh, that's not always true. Like there, there are some companies uh, like uh, Scream Factory, for instance. When they do a restoration, like they do a full restoration, so you're not just getting a 4K restoration of, from an actual film print. Like you're getting a 5.1 or um, 8.1 restoration of the audio, which is nice. But yeah, a lot of places don't. And it's, it's in this case, and that shame. took me away because obviously I'm a sound mm-hmm. producer. Hopefully you see my work in the the episodes that I actually put a bit of effort in. But there's nothing worse than mm-hmm. really loud music cuts off the silence, you know, and no no build up or tone. Now, I can understand back in the mm-hmm. day because it was all done analog. So this was done on tapes. Mm-hmm. So did you ever play about with four tracks? Back in, so mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, my my first few recordings were on a yeah, fucking so you know little four-track. <laughs> the blend one track and another, you know, it was really, it was a fucking process. So I can understand, like, even mm-hmm. with a big, you know, and this wasn't a big budget movie. It was an Italian director, wasn't it? Either no. Dario's? Yeah, Dario Argento. Come on, one of the gods. Was it a, I know it was said but was an Italian company or did he just... Uh, the yeah. first one? Was it Italian company? Um, yeah, it was Italian company. Yeah, um, yeah. So it wasn't even Hollywood made this, so they didn't have obviously the budget. That's sorry, that's the point I'm trying mm-hmm. to get to. And uh, 
yeah, it's really difficult to do that kind of blending. But you think we're doing a restoration that will mm. do that, and that's the only thing that takes me away. It's like when I tried to watch Demons and Demons Two not so long back again. The, the fucking dubbing <laughs> Italian doesn't dub well in the English. It's no, no. That's that's the funny thing too, especially with the a lot of Argento's movies, like. Um, you know, it, he would do a worldly release, so it's like everything would be in English, um, but he would have, like, mostly Italian actors, which would be speaking English, but it was so heavy of an accent that they would dub them, and they just never no, quite it's, match it's up. No, it's languages. It's, it's... <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't have... I know Grazie, mm-hmm. and that's about it. <laughs> I know how to say it. Uh, well, you don't know Giallo? I know Grazie and I know Giallo because I mean, yeah, I learned about when I was Giallo. in Iraq the first time. I learned about four words in Italian because you had the Italian military coming through and you had to check them at the gate. And I think I learned to ask for their IDs and then say Grazie and thank you and whatever sir was. But that's gone into <laughs> my head now. Fuck, I have, a, I have a head like a sieve. If anybody doesn't know me by now, I, I can't remember shit. I have to like really make an effort to keep facts and figures in my head. That's why I love databases and do that stuff because the computer does it for me and I don't have to worry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, the first movie, because this is my first time seeing it, that's what I want to talk about a bit. But I enjoyed the the actual uh, like that score and the the lyrics. Sorry, ambulance. Hope you don't hear that. But um, <laughs> that was super creepy. I just wish it was a bit better edited. Dude, I one of my most fond uh, concert going experiences was I actually got to watch Goblin uh, perform this entire score live to the movie. That shit was oh, that fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was it was yeah. so cheesy so and I beautiful. <laughs> when they remastered it, they had it on the sound as well. I, that would have been mm-hmm. brilliant, because the sound, the, the visuals of this are fantastic, uh, except for the dog scene, because that was just hilariously bad. Yeah. Fucking hand puppet. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? When the dog attacks him, you can see the hand puppet in somebody's hand and doing that. <laughs> mm. Well, and that's that's the thing is like these older movies, they, uh, you know, you could cover up a lot with film grain, and uh, sometimes 4K restoration doesn't lend to too much to the movie. But the stabbing scenes and the rest of it was fucking wonderful. You know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. When they actually. Um, oh yeah. Now the first murder. Uh, when he's stabbing her stuff, that was brutal. Like the way they did that, that was just like, mm. that, that. That was on par with modern movies, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. now they use digital blood, and you can just spot it straight away, and it looks shit. In fact, that's what. Oh yeah, it's always like the same. About the John Wick movies, yeah. is the digital blood on it? Because you can just see it, and it's like, oh, okay, no, you may as well make an animated movie when you, and it's that bad. But this mm. was brilliant. Um, the, her head smashing through the the skylight at first. Now the, the, yeah. the hanging scene took me away a bit, but and it didn't show you how the other girl got killed. That's what I meant to ask you. Did she get impaled? Because yeah. the girl gets killed, she smashes through the light, ends up being hung, and then the next scene it just cuts to her, the other woman laying on the floor impaled, and it didn't show you how it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what it yeah, was. Yeah, kind of skipped that bit out. It was a bit weird. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
Yeah, love that. I don't want to talk to you much about that because I'm going to go on here for about five hours. Sorry, this has been such. We, oh, we yeah, have got easily. such a it's, good it's bunch of uh, content for this one. This this could go on forever. <laughs> but um, yeah, I really enjoyed the original. Um, like I said, the only thing was the sound took me out of it. Now let's go on to the remake. Remake is fucking vastly yeah, different. <laughs> That's what I loved about it. It, it was so so very different. It was set up like a play too. Yeah, act one, um, like yeah. you had very distinct acts. Yeah, it was it was brilliant how they did it. And then to know that Argento was a part of the movie, like it was at least you know a tiny bit a part of the movie was yeah, but the pretty thing, nice. Um, this is one of the times um, I, th- I don't want to say it, but the remake was better than the original. Where it's, See, they're so it's different. Not, I, it's, this could have made a very good standalone movie if they'd called it something else and still been a brilliant movie. Does that make sense? It was so different. Yeah, and I mean, it also... The same theme, but it was so different in a lot of ways. Um, like, first of all, the dispense with the fact, like, during the... In the first movie, it was a mystery what was going on with the Dance Academy. Here, it's a, it's a witch's coven. They started off straight away with the... Yeah. Voting off the new head of the coven, so the the dispense with the mystery of that. Mm-hmm. So you know straight away it's a witch's coven, and they just failed with a girl that mm-hmm. they're trying to set up as a sacrifice. They don't explain it fully, but we know it's for the matriarch to inhabit her body. That was the whole point of the first movie. So they spell that out straight mm-hmm. away, which because I watched it directly after the other one, so I'm like, okay, so they're not making that a mystery. They're just deciding you're going to know that. So how are they going to mm-hmm. do this movie? But holy shit, this, this was brutal. This this was a brutal, brutally made. Movie. I loved it. Like I'm th- I'm texting you through it. I'm going holy fuck, holy fuck, holy fuck. You know? <laughs> yeah, fuck. I'm thinking you're texting me like you had finished it, and I'm just like, oh, just you wait. Yeah, no, I'm like, still God, watching it. Going, yeah, I just so... ha- I couldn't keep it in. I'm like, holy shit, this is this is amazing. <laughs> like I I've only got one complaint about this movie. And that's Dakota Johnson or Johnson. Like they should not have cast her. I understand why they did because you know at that point in time she's a relatively big name. But any time that she's acting versus dancing and shit, it's just so awful. <laughs> like she is not a good actor at all. I think the only thing that saves her performance is the fact that everybody else around her is phenomenal, oh, especially Tilda Swinton on some what. We did, yeah. I'm uh, big fan of as well. Watch this movie because she was in it. maybe I didn't realize. I don't know for some reason that just skipped my radar. Um... Yeah, for me it was, I it was one that I kept like, okay, yeah, we're gonna go this weekend, and then something would come up, and then ironically enough, the weekend that I went and saw Goblin perform uh, the first Suspiria. That was the last weekend that it was in theaters, so I ended up just completely missing it until it came out on uh, Amazon. Yeah, right. We'll have to talk about that first dancing. Like when I understand, like from the start, that the dance isn't a dance; it's a ritual. And why they're perfected mm-hmm. is because they're fucking summoning demons. You know, they're they're summoning magical power, and that's why it has to be not misstepped. And it's actually the performance mm-hmm. ritual. And we see that you know. We got the payoff, but uh, Olga, when she tries to run away, 
<laughs> that's so, so good. Shit, that was brutal. That that is the first time in a long time I've actually cringed while watching the scene. Oh yeah. Well, and the best part is too, like mm-hmm. she's still alive. Like she doesn't die from that shit, and that's like the most gruesome part when you know everything's said and done. And the witches go to she's like, carry her off. Like it's just like holy yeah, fuck, she's so still alive. God damn. I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> that just that was just the icing on the cake. And then <laughs> they they're just treating her as if oh, she's yeah. been spanked for being a naughty girl. You know what I mean? Fucking. And you just see the evilness of now. Mm-hmm. Back to the first movie. It was very cliche of oh they're witches. They can only do stuff by doing terrible. I, I hated that, but that that. The scene with the psychiatrist. I think they did the scene the the psychiatrist better here. Because the first one, he just opened the oh, yeah, talking about a patient's file. Like you don't do that shit. Even back then, you don't do that yeah. shit. No patient doctor confidentiality, and he just talks to this random girl. That took me away from the first movie. It ruined it. Mm-hmm. But the way they portrayed the psychiatrist here is amazing. Like really, really built his character. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that first scene and just that was it. I was hooked after that. And I think I texted you while that was happening, going, Holy good fuck. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in them. I'm all in with this. Yeah, it was it was great. And it just like it never really slows down either. I mean there's a lot of a lot of talking, a lot of just you know, building the world but like that it keeps that pace so very well and especially for a movie that's over two hours long like that's pretty goddamn yeah, impressive I was, there, I was invested the whole way through it and that's that's said a lot because mm-hmm. normally um like there's movies i skip because i get bored but i get something that's you know i mean it just too mm-hmm. much of the monologue and just not going anywhere this kept attention and here was the indicator of how this is ramping up that witch who was the empath the one with the glasses so she's an empath, mm-hmm. and then she is feeling the pain that they're inflicting. So you see mm-hmm. in that first scene that she's actually cramming the girl and feeling what she's going through. That was powerful, but mm-hmm. as this ramps up, and you see that her actually getting more and more affected by what they're actually doing, that something wrong is about to happen, that sense of wrongness is played throughout this whole movie, and uh, mm-hmm you feel it as you go along and the actual sexual undertones I have to say they played the sexual undertones really well without being overt like mm-hmm. it's a sexual movie but it's not sexualized if that's a good way to describe yeah. it yeah yeah definitely well I mean that's I mean it's one of the most powerful rituals there is so it, it makes sense that they would kind of just barely touch on that and keep that as like the undercurrent. And I mean, it all bounces out when you get to that final scene, (laughs) like the final ritual. Yeah. You see what it's all been leading up to. Uh, trying to think what else there was a, Mm -hmm. yeah. The second dance scene where they're trying to get her to jump and, you know, you know, something more is going on than just the dance. You know, Mm -hmm. this isn't just a dance performance. And I forgot to look mm-hmm. them up, but I was confused when they're talking about the terrorist organization, the RAF, because I'm thinking Royal Air Force. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hold on, this is after, this is the 70s, so there wouldn't have been RAF prisoners. Then I realized it's this terrorist group, which I can't remember. And that plane incident was actually mm-hmm. one of the defining things of the Cold War. In fact, it wasn't just German special forces, British special forces were 
involved in taking that plane as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's whole, one aspect I really loved is they pulled in like real world shit to yeah, this. The eighties in Europe in Britain were a dark time. You know what I mean? This was a sorry. Ah. This was on the brink of nuclear war, or there was mm-hmm. East Germany, West Germany. You know what I mean? The wall hadn't come down yet, so this is prior nineteen eighty nine. Um, mm-hmm. They were always talking that if the Russian tanks, the USSR, came across the border, each soldier had about seven minutes to live in the first wave that was based in East or West Germany. So they were mm-hmm. saying that if they rolled the tanks over the border, West Germany was getting taken, like. And each each soldier had like a seven minute life life expectancy. That's how grim, and that wasn't even the nuclear war as well. This was just the land battle they're talking about was going to be that intense. So there were dark times, and I think they did better with the rain in the background. So they use the rain in the first one, but once again, I think it's just purely down to the sound. I think if the tone, if they actually remastered the sound, you would have a completely different movie. But mm-hmm. using the rain in both of them as the backdrop, Miserable was just brilliant. You know, it, it worked. Well, given the whole the mm-hmm. tone of the movie, I'm trying to think what happened next when the what was the next major sort of event? Well, every everything else. I mean, it was just sort of exploring more of the shit that was brought up through the beginning um because it's essentially it's two different stories it's uh well i guess three because you got um the psychologist exploration of why he keeps having patients go missing and discovering the coven and trying to do something about it um there's the story of the witches trying to um create a new vessel for um, one of the three mothers, well, one of the yeah, one of the sisters, one of the three mothers. but she's so cocky yeah. that she calls herself a mother. Um, which the end of the movie that it that uh reveal is pretty fucking powerful. Um, and then yeah, uh, I forget what her name is in the movie, but uh, Dakota Johnson's exploration into the dance studio and realizing what her place actually is um so just it's a great blend of those three stories but bouncing around in a way that it feels right and it flows really yeah the well. next next most powerful scene uh dinner table the witches are sitting at the dinner table and the witch with the glasses the empath i forget her name that's where you know the wrongness because this she is channeling all of this and it kind of shows a bit of short-sightedness and we're starting to see the you know, the downfall of this coven because of their short-sightedness. They should know, if these are magic users and they know that her powers is empathic and she channels things, they should be listening to her, you know what I mean? She should be like the divining rod that gauges what's happening. So if she was picking up wrongness, because it's not her internal, she's picking this up external and it's being projected, she's projecting. So if she mm-hmm. got to the point, and basically what what you know, she just stands up, takes a kitchen knife, plunges it into her neck about three times. So good. Like that was <laughs> brutal, and that's when I twigged on because after the first scene and she's crying, and a couple of times throughout it, she is channeling what's happening. That should have been a warning. But these witches are so mm-hmm. short sighted 
I'm power hungry. Well, and it, I mean, it's even discussed like throughout the film. Like anytime it's just the head witches uh, discussing what's to come, like there is a constant argument of, you know, whether they should be doing what they're doing or not and whether they like even just down to, you know, what they're calling the sister, like, you know, oh, you know, she's not a mother. We shouldn't call her a mother. No, she that's what she wants to be called. Like they just there's no there's no well, there's agreement with any of them. Strife. They're just a desperation involved with them. And I don't even I think it's impatience because uh I don't want to skip ahead too much in the story, but you can guess it's not a desperation that something's gonna end if they don't do it. It's an impatience and I want it now. And Tilda Swimming's character is like, mm-hmm. no, we have to wait. Something went wrong the first time. We can't make that mistake again. She's she's more of a scientist than a you know, a scientific witch. Is that a thing? Uh, there is no. <laughs> but she's like, hold on, this didn't work the first time. We need to figure out what went wrong, fix it before we try again. And they're not bothered. Mm-hmm. They're not bothered about the girls. Let's let's make this clear. They're not empathic. The girls are just vessels and tools. I mean, these are not nice people. None of them are, you know, there's no good witches in this. This is an evil fucking don't give a shit about you, Gavin. If you're not one of us, you're just meat. You mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're so nonchalant about it. Like that one, like, you know, we were talking about the jumping scene earlier. Um, She's not jumping the way that she needs to. So the one that's the expert jumper, um, Tilda just takes her powers. She ends up having a seizure and shit. Now the shit actor can finally jump. That was uh Yeah, they just they, they do what they need to do to achieve their goals. Yeah, they're just uh they don't care uh who dies lives lives in pain. Mm. Next kind of scene is when uh what do you call it? uh the girl discovers the other the, the missing girls, she goes into the corridors. She follows the footsteps. So the the take up scene from the original movie where instead of being the main character, it's this one who counts the footsteps, mm-hmm. you know, and traces where they go into the studio to find the secret passage. That was mm-hmm. horrific. That that whole layout and mm-hmm. these twisted bodies and uh Yeah, that was, that pure was brilliant. <laughs> I, I love that, you know. And she's trying to help mm-hmm. her friend, even though she's mangled and she's, you know what I mean? So she was, we last saw her, curled up in that ball, Olga, and then they straightened her out and left her on a bench. And she's a servant now, or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's, that's fucking brutal. Yeah. Like, you don't piss these witches off. That's, that's basically the message here. Like, you don't even get to just die. They mm-hmm. will just ruin you. And even when they're oh, yeah. finished, it's not a relationship. Yeah, and that's... You know, all yeah, that's their wish mm-hmm. at the end is to die. Like, so you know, it's just beyond miserable. But uh, yeah, that was it. And then she, uh, the dance, we see the ritual happen again. The dance, and her bone just snapping when she tries to escape. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, fuck, this is just pure evil. Like, I haven't talked about pure evil in a movie before because normally it's just slapstick. But this, <laughs> this is pure evil. They heal her bone. Mm-hmm. They put her in a fucking trance and then they send her back up to the dance floor to join in. After she's just seen mm-hmm. everything that's happened, the 
like that is just fucking brutal. Like the the psychiat psychiatry psychologist. Mm-hmm. The mind games being played here. That, that that's let's keep it simple because it's me. The mind games these witches play <laughs> on their fucking victims or anybody that goes against them that they will torture you mentally as well as physically mm-hmm. is brutal. So they they fucking put her in a trance, set her back up to complete the ritual, and then. Uh, Dakota's character, I can't remember, it's Manning, isn't it? The American Manning. Yeah, shit, Manning, I don't remember. Was, I yeah, honestly, I fucking suck with names. Manning, I think something Manning, which I can't remember, Helen Manning or something. But her character, she goes off mm. script and does something different. Breaks the spell because what I was getting the impression of is they were going to perform this ritual. The audience were actually sacrificed, sacrificial lambs. Did I pick that up wrong? No, they they weren't. That was um, so the audience, uh, from what I've gathered, it's the audience was sort of like the test subject for the ritual, um, because once they performed the ritual in the actual ritual chamber, um, they were to only have one witness, which ends up being the psychiatrist. Right. Okay. Because I knew I knew that brought this. Um, the audience was in not for good intention and it wasn't for funding because I was thinking because it was such a small mm-hmm. group it was, and it wasn't high society so these mm-hmm. were just ordinary people like even though I say characters but 1980s or late 70s sorry this started in 77 so late 70s like things were not people were not rich like this is still throwbacks mm-hmm. after the second world war and there's so many references to it Europe was broken mm-hmm. you know what I mean broken mentally financially, emotionally, as a culture, you know what I mean? It was just, times were not nice. And that whole mm-hmm. thing was brought across. So they were not inviting in high society. So these were not funders. So they weren't performing this dance just to get money. That that was obvious when you see the people that were being brought in. So you knew something gnarly was going to happen to them if this was completed mm-hmm. in front of them. You know what I mean? They were not walking out of that uh, dance studio alive or unchanged. Was I picking that up right? Yeah, and then no, that's about right. I think when she sees her friend, that's what it is. She sees her friend join, mm-hmm. and, and then she changes the script, and then mm-hmm. you see her her leg re breaks again. She falls down, and then that cuts it off. So whatever was about to happen, yeah, and everybody goes and rushing out. Like, Don't any of you leave. Sit in your seats. We're not finished with you yet. You know that they were not. They were sacrificial lambs to the slaughter. They were not there to be fucking entertained. Do you know what I mean? That was mm-hmm. uh, obvious. Yeah, I can see that. And then, then we get up to the last scene. Is that, is that what we start working towards after that? Yeah. Yeah, right after that pretty much is the, the finale. The doctor, yes. The doctor tries to escape. The, yeah, he gets back. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, and they bring him back in the most gut-wrenching way. Like, you know, the whole thing is he missed his wife. Like, when they were running from, you know, during the war and all that shit. And they got split up. So the rest of his life, he's essentially trying to find her and holding on to hope. And one of the witches, you know, glamours him, basically, into thinking he found his wife. And his supposed wife leads him back to the school where they capture him and... You know, transport him into the ritual chamber, 
And that whole scene, that shit was just oh, yeah. rough as fuck. As soon as you realize, you know, he turns around and wait, shit, he's all alone. Where's his wife? And then they jump and out and grab him. Cackling witches. Like I haven't seen this from Rule Dahl. Yeah, straight you know, up. I mean, the last time I've seen actual proper cackling witches was Rule Dahl. I haven't seen the remake. I've seen the first one. Yeah, I don't. I don't like her. Don't see she's like a wooden plank, so she's not gonna entice me to watch. But the first one, you know, I mean, yeah. Dahl, that's, that's the first time I've seen cackling witches. Or when Terry Pratchett mentions uh, in his books, he talks about when a witch starts cackling, mm-hmm. she's losing her mind. But in this movie, and they actually don't do it cheesily. It's cackling. No, it's it's yeah. fitting. It's expensive. These are witches. These are your stereotypical. You know what I mean? If all I had to do was have green skin. They were witches. You know what I mean? There's yeah. No messing about. Nonetheless, arty, farty, flory stuff that they try to bring in now, like the fucking TV shows. Everyone, like I, I tried to watch that series, uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. God, yeah, I God, I don't, keep don't meaning do to watch it. I've only managed to get through the first episode. <laughs> it hurts your brain. Don't do it. It's fucking shit. And it's disingenuous. The witches and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole it's just fucking it's painful. But that's all you see in TV or movies about witches. So this actual scene with those two cackling, like they didn't lead him right in. They wanted to grab him, like they wanted to mess with his head, mm-hmm. and then. Like being like the because he took the the spike, you know, the ritual tool. Like that earned their hatred. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they were you know, so fast. <laughs> it's dirty now, you know, just hatred. So that's why they're not making it. Like they could have led him in a dream and had him completely unaware till the last minute, but no, they wanted to mess with him. And then it mm-hmm. leads into the, the chamber where holy shit, that just. I think you'd, I'd, I'd still like 30 minutes to go in the movie when you told me about the final scene was going to be like epic and you, <laughs> you weren't lamb but yeah. you, you weren't lamb no it does not disappoint how do you describe it like that how final rituals dis- it's just it, it, you know it's exactly what the the entire movie's leading up to and just the way it's shot is just like there's no disappointment in it at all. Um, I mean, the lighting is perfect, the chanting is perfect, the the music is perfect. Just everything about it is what you hope to have in a witch movie. And then, you know, when it's revealed that um, Dakota Fanning or D- Dakota Fanning, Dakota Johnson's character um, has and like she has been the vessel of. Uh, Mother Suspirio or whatever, how they pronounce it this whole time it's just crazy because that's when the slaughter begins because, uh, you know, the the one sister is there to get a new vessel and when Dakota's asking around, you know, well who put you in this position? Who gave you this power? She's like, oh, it was uh, Mother Suspiria and she's like, oh, that's funny, because I am. And then just yep. slaughter. Just everybody's dying. All the witches that were uh, voting for that particular sister to be, you know, reborn, essentially. Their fucking heads just and explode. Was, <laughs> and it's just like, it guys, from the everywhere. very opening scene, or you hear the, you know, the votes. And mm-hmm. it was really good interplay with the politics. Because even Tilda Swindon's character was even right at that moment 
where you know yourself, you step in the ritual chamber, you're meant to fucking forget everything. Mm-hmm. You go in the ritual chamber and that's it's go time. It's not you don't think or debate things or whatever else. They're still debating in the ritual chamber, which is a big fucking no no. And then Yeah. Uh, yeah, that other uh Matron, is it? The other sister who wants the vessel, she has a baby's arm on her mm-hmm. like attached. Did you notice that? Yeah, it's like, Oh, all over. Like what all the hell is that about? That's, there's a story in that by itself. You know, in these mm. Well, and I, I think that comes from like the uh, like the other girls that were in the hidden passageways. Like she's essentially living off of them, so she's almost becoming them in order to stay alive. But it's just some weird mixture of yeah. parts, and that's why she needs a new body. Yeah, she's just becoming like um, oh God, Shogunaroth. You know that character from Doom? Not Doom. Um... Oh shit! What was that old game? Just a big blob, gelatinous, you know what I mean? Because it absorbed humanity. I think it's Shug Nagarov, if I'm not pronouncing that properly, but that's what she was essentially becoming. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that final scene, holy shit, that was absolutely amazing. And then... Well, and then the, ep- then the epilogue pays off pretty well with everything of, you know, her becoming the new headmistress of the school slash coven um and then because the psychologist was her witness she ends up erasing his memory but she's also granting him mercy by erasing his memory of his wife as well so that he can move on with his final yeah, years that was, a, that was a heartbreaking story as well you know the whole and um, it just brings back because like i said I, I don't think you understand so much in america but in europe and great britain the war tore everything apart that's why there's so much like mm-hmm. mental anguish still and cultural anguish because everyone's terrified of it happening mm-hmm. ever again and even in the, even in yeah. this day there's still brothers and sisters and husbands and wives finding out about each other you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah and of course we don't experience or we didn't experience that shit over no, here this was necessarily here. because i mean fuck Eight, 80s was a yeah a decade of decadence in America. Everything was just excess and you know, prosperity, while the rest of the world's fucking like ravaged and destroyed. Find itself, you know. Um, I don't want to say spiritual. Yeah. that's a horrible word, but uh, they're trying to find a moral compass again because that's mm-hmm. you know every family at some point was affected by this. You know, and that's. Uh, mm-hmm. It was played out so well in this movie, you know, without beating you over the head with it. That things were mm-hmm. just, you know, horrible. And these witches were thriving in this environment. But, yeah, all in all, I was blown away. This is the f- first time in a long time I've actually been blown away by a movie. Like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a good one. Like, honestly, I can't believe I didn't see it. Or I didn't check out uh, what it was released, even out of curiosity, because I watch all sorts of shit but actually that's the good thing about this podcast mm. it's actually given me reasons to have to go and force myself to make a point of every month watching certain movies because I, I get wrapped up in the mm-hmm. old Jackson stuff and I forget to actually step back and entertain myself sometimes yeah yeah so all in all fucking if you have not seen this movie you need to check it out it is just 
mm-hmm. worth it. Well, and especially if you have an Amazon Prime membership, like it's free. There's no reason not to watch it. Absolutely, it's there for you. So get on. You can watch both. That's that's what annoys me about Netflix is they never put the original and the remake together, or the way they do. They don't do mm-hmm. full anthologies. They're they're very haphazard in the way they put out, you know, mm-hmm. classic shows from the eighties, and. That's where I'm a bit disappointed with Shudder as well because I thought Shudder would I would have all the classics. But obviously because it's studios and contracts and etc. They don't have the range of, you know, the old stuff I thought they would have. So it's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's kind of navigating your way through all these streaming services to find the right mix to get what you want. And mm-hmm. uh, But yeah, Amazon uh, Amazon's turned out to be a winner this time. It's a like their general stuff I'm not interested in or their TV shows, but this has turned out to be worth the subscription, I'd say. Well, I mm-hmm. suppose we shall look back in time now and go into the horrific vault. I'm getting better with these uh, transitions. That's uh, <laughs> that will be, but uh, I like I like the way they're working. They're quite cool. Um, so first thing we looked at was the Curse of Frankenstein. Yeah, this was a fun retelling of the classic story, especially with that lovely twist these ending. Were, um, <laughs> like this is what I grew up with as a child. The Hammer House of Horror is the the Universal monsters, um, and even. Mm-hmm. The black and white ones like the Boris Karloff and uh, uh, Billy Lucy, you know, this stuff mm-hmm. was what set me down the horror path. I have to say, it just opened my mind to all this stuff, and I still love it to this day. This, mm-hmm. uh, like, this is why Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, Vincent Price, these were all the greats. Like, the way they mm-hmm. portray these stories, and it isn't just a, a rehash, it's they tell the same story, but it's a different way. Like this focuses more on Frankenstein's yeah. uh, psychology and his, mm-hmm. his. He's a complete narcissist. There's no, there's no if buts or babies. Even from a child, mm-hmm. and this was set in Switzerland. It's funny you got British actors, you know, trying to act in Swiss, but that was that was Paramount Studios back in the day, just trying to the this huge yeah. big stars. So mm-hmm. just starts off. Anybody who hasn't seen it, you know, it's on Shutter. Get on up there, you know it's well worth it. Yeah. Oh, it is. Where'd you? Oh fuck! I bought it. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know it was on Shutter. <laughs> oh shit! Man. Yeah, fuck! I bought it. That's what, right? But well, whatever. It came with. It was. That's, a, I'm going to either Shutter or Amazon because I know you have the services. Not trying to, you know. Oh, let's let's spend because during these times we're going to be spending shitloads of money and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's 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 true. I I just I don't know. I'm. I'm a collector. I have to have physical media. It it bothers me if I don't right, own right, something. Yeah, no, it's understandable. Getting there, can't help myself. But um, yeah. Uh, anyway, it's on Shutter for those that don't want to buy it. Um, if you want, we'll shove, I'll shove links in the comments later. If you just want to get physical copies. But uh, yeah, just Baron Frankenstein. Even from a child, he is self-absorbed, and he's mm-hmm. a little prince of the manor. 
uh, kingdom, you know, I mean, you've got key to the kingdom. And even his altruism, he shows a bit of altruism at the start with uh, the family, you know, mm-hmm. continuing to support him, Elizabeth and her mother. But even then, it's just the thing to do. Like, mm-hmm. this man has no humanity. Yeah. And we. Well, even down to getting, like, his tutor, it's just. It, he didn't want to. It was just yeah. what you're supposed to and do. And he interviewed his own tutor. Like, that's complete, you know. I'm king of the castle sort of thing. Yes, you're only here because I'm hiring you sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It started off though. Um, it seemed to be a positive relationship. They did quite well showing the friendship between Frankenstein and Paul as they're going through discoveries. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still remember that puppy scene as a kid. You know what I mean? It's... Yeah, yeah. That it's it doesn't hold up too well. <laughs> But, I mean, it's it. There's definitely enough suspension of disbelief, like because of the rest of the film, that when it does transition into the real puppy, it's like, oh, okay, whatever. I yeah, believe and it. that's you know, I mean, for back in the time, that was you know, this was 1957. You have to remember. So, uh, like, even like special effects weren't a thing. You know, it was, I remember when Grando was telling mm-hmm. me that, like, when they rolled somebody down a hill, they threw a bucket of paint after them. That's how they got the effect. It was that base. Nice. Do you know what I mean? At times you could actually see, he said he remembered in the cinema, you could see the bucket of paint rolling down mm-hmm. with them. You know what I mean? That's how mm-hmm. like, basic their ability was back in the 50s, 30s, you know, when they were making movies. So it wasn't until the 80s that mm-hmm. things came, like, really exploded in terms of special effects. But yeah. still, the story was that well told that, you know, because you can still enjoy it. It's not like you're watching this movie going, oh, oh, yeah. it's an old movie. Well, I think that kind of lends to, you know, who they have as the actors. Because, I mean, um, Peter Cushing, I mean, that's a, a theater actor. Like, he's an actual thespian. And, I mean, he always played shit for the back row. And, I mean, that's, that's kind of what it felt like. But not in a, a cheesy way, but just everything was so over the top that... It, it just everything mm-hmm. felt like it worked and we see that um, it was interesting actually when he's having the affair with the maid that they brought that in because that was never something you, mm-hmm. you associated with Frankenstein you always saw him as the mad scientist mm-hmm. just completely driven by his work but this guy was you know what I mean he he enjoyed life you know he, he enjoyed the best thing he, he probably mm-hmm. took drugs and stuff as well and went the you know you kind of see a side of him which he never did before you know but he people were still tools to be used for mm-hmm. his enjoyment and he had actually mm-hmm. less humanity than the monster he created which came across um, yeah quite well and i think paul's friendship with him was their academical stuff that's why they became friends just purely you know when you have a friend with somebody and it's just through mm-hmm. one avenue and that's the only reason say mm-hmm. you have a hobby or an interest together and that's really the only basis of your friendship I think that's what was being played mm. across here oh, yeah. very well but I laughed when um, you know the whole kissing cousins joke when Elizabeth's being brought mm-hmm. into the manor to marry Frankenstein because it was the thing to do and yeah. Paul is like I want some of this mm. you know he 
he becomes <laughs> fucking, it's just so obvious that he's he's wanting her and mm-hmm. you actually see a bit of his personality he's prepared to debase himself so he's prepared mm-hmm. to basically be supplicant to Frankenstein because through Frankenstein he gets to live in the manor wear the nice clothes Mm-hmm. So, Paul isn't a good person either. I don't know if you picked up on that. Oh, yeah, no, he's, he's a piece of shit with his own Where self-interest, he definitely. He tries to be the moral guideline when Frankenstein's going too far, but he was with him right up until that point. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. Well, no, never, never left, left either, until, too. Like, <laughs> towards the very end. Yeah. Like, right at the end of the fucking movie. So, this guy, these are mm-hmm. not nice people. <laughs> and I think the movie does really well. Yeah portraying that they're it's a character driven movie if that makes sense this oh, yeah, isn't definitely. a horror special effects this is a character driven movie and it's more about and this is what we're talking about subtle messages that aren't beating you over the head this is about the state of humanity and narcissism and you're so self-absorbed that if you don't check yourself or have an external source check it you you go to ruin so uh this was an interesting journey. Fuck it. Once again, Christopher Lee. What can I, what can I say about that man? Like he is not a Hollywood star, in the sense of if he's in a movie, he has to be the lead actor, or he has to be in charge of every scene. Mm-hmm. Was. Yeah, we we get him pretty sparingly, but when we do get him, like. He's a great iteration of that monster. Yep. And the patheticness. Like, he did it in The Mummy as well. Like, he he outacts everybody in the room, dressed in bandages, not speaking. Mm-hmm. Here he doesn't even speak, and he's being treated like a dog, even worse than a dog. Mm-hmm. And that whole scene where he's saying, come here, you know, and he's putting food in it like a dog dish for him. And the whole, that whole mm-hmm. scene. He he outacts everybody in the freaking room with that. You know, the, the, like, the oh, yeah. himself... In front of the other characters, as his, you know, as a creature. That's the sign of a great actor, and he's sorely missed because he is who we need in Hollywood today. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever see the likes of these guys again. No, fuck no. I mean, that dude was just a god among men. I mean, one of the last things he did was he put out a fucking metal album on his, his birthday before he died birthday? because he's like. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, 91st birthday, puts out a fucking metal album. Not even his first, either. That's the thing. And it's just like, of course he would. Yeah. <laughs> Why and, the fuck uh, not? Just, I know we're going off in times here, but this, this is such a brilliant episode in terms of the shit we decided to watch, because, holy shit, that's... But, um, the last time, when he disappeared from the screen for a while, um, the last, the next time I saw him was Sleepy Hollow. No, Tim Burton's, um... Recreation where he plays mm-hmm. the judge, and I went to the cinema to see it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Holy shit, it's Christopher Lee! Holy shit, he's still scary! Holy shit!" You know, I didn't care about the rest of the movie; just Christopher Lee appearing on screen again, and I'm just like, "Holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit!" <laughs> <laughs> he's back! He's back! He's back acting again! He's going to be in more movies, and then, and then Lord of the Rings happened, <laughs> and then it's like, "Oh, oh my god, yeah, that was this man's a legend." Sorry, I just had to go there for a bit because. These guys, like the, the trio of horror, you know, Vincent Price, Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, they always played off each other and acted and sometimes two of them in a movie and then I can't remember, what was one, there's like only been one or two movies, all three of them have been in. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, for the life of me, I can't so think of what they are right now. But very rarely, but these guys were masters at their craft. And mm-hmm. they told the whole, you know, I mean, the whole story. And Christopher Lee is a creature, you know, he didn't do very much in it, but fuck, he ruled. You know, when he was in the scenes, he ruled. Mm-hmm. And Peter Cushing as well. Yeah, what little parts he was in, it, it was definitely memorable. Yeah, brilliant. And he was still even secondary to the main plot. Which turned out to be uh, Peter Cushing's Frankenstein's self-destruction, and Paul's fucking mm-hmm. being a, another sneaky fucker, you know. Of he wants mm-hmm. a girl, and he doesn't mind getting his fucking long-time yeah. friend <laughs> and student. Yeah, he was a definitely a master manipulator. Like that final scene was just, just like <laughs> you. Fucker, you thought you were playing yeah, him, but he was that playing was, you. Uh, I, I hope people, anyone who watched this movie, twigs on that this guy Paul is a fucking leech. He, you know, I mean, it's actually mm-hmm. his story as much as Frankenstein's. Oh yeah. Well, especially with that ending, that's when you realize that it was very much uh, a two-part story. And he's just going, I don't know what you're talking about. What What are you talking about? What What thing? You know, and he just, he's almost smirking at him in this, he, he, it's almost like he came to the cell to gloat. Oh yeah. I, that's exactly how I, I saw you know, it. I mean, he came to the cell to gloat, but also to pretend to be, because he wants Elizabeth. He brought her with her, but he wouldn't let her go in. And he's almost playing as if, oh, I, well, I tried, I tried, but he's too far gone. Like that was brutal. Like that, th- that that whole level of acting and the storytelling was brutal. Mm-hmm. Like there was no if buts or maybe's about it. That's that story alone. Never mind even Frankenstein's monster. It was about betrayal and so much more mm-hmm. than just a a horror movie or you know a monster movie. You know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's why. I mean, when I look back at these, that's why I'm so critical now. And it takes so much to get me invested because this is what I grew up on. And mm-hmm. seeing that level of acting and storytelling and subtle tones, you know, I look for that because you'd think would get better. Mm-hmm. You'd think the technology would help t- remove the burden of the practical effects and having to set up scenes and then directors could concentrate on storytelling. But it's not happening, which is a shame. Except... Well, uh, part part of the problem with that, though, is, I mean, like with budgets shrinking so damn much, like you go from having something like this that, you know, they very easily could have had, you know, 40, 50, 60 days to shoot and had at least as much time to rehearse and all that shit. Whereas, you know, one of my favorite films of the last few years, it was shot in 11 days with zero time for rehearsal. But yet they have all the technology to potentially make something gorgeous it's just it's kind of a it's a hard trade-off i think because it's more like a like it's become an industry now it's off the factory floor it's not an art mm-hmm. and that's a... mm-hmm. well i mean that's that's exactly what it is it's it's a product it's there's no more art to it because uh, to limit uh shooting schedules to that much time it's like you're not even allowing a movie to be made you're just trying to pump out something yeah, and that's why uh, I think 
there's there's always going to be like the popcorn flicks, and that's why everything's become so bland and generic because they're not even trying anymore, which is sad. So mm-hmm. it's good. Like we we've got some really good shows, and you know, I mean that Blood Vessel was the first in a long time something new being made that actually has a bit of heart to it. Suspiria is a fucking first in a long time that we've actually been riveted by a movie and actually enthralled. You know that's. And that's rare now, which is sad. Mm-hmm. But when you look back to the that's why it's important to do a segment, I think. So when people understand, when we look back and you see the actual development and the effort of telling the story, it's why we're so critical. It's because there's very little in the way of effects here. Um, very little in the way of budget and scenery and stuff. You know, it wasn't there's no exploding planes and stuff. You know, it was purely character-driven story and a horror mm-hmm. element can be used to bring that point home. And I'd, I'd like to think that, okay, so you've got the mainstream Hollywood machine. Fine, if that's going to generate income for like the masses who don't want to actually have anything to challenge themselves, cool, use it as a revenue, but please, mm-hmm. please, please give more space for independent creators to make stuff like what we've seen here in this episode because we need more of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to raise the bar because the bar has just become so low now that it's become painful to actually go and watch anything. Anyway, there's my sermon. I'll get off my soapbox and we'll talk about the last two episodes of... Uh, yeah, this Hammer House of Horror, that, uh, it was a TV series. It was just one season, uh, 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we were going through a couple each, each time we do the live show just because uh, mm-hmm. it's too much to try and cram along the ones, but I was a bit disappointed this time. Me too. I, I'm glad you said that because I just felt like I was being like a, curmu- a curmudgeon or some shit because it's like these two just kind yeah, of fell short for me. Three really good ones. Like there was, yeah. yeah, there were just, there was like no real substance and then there's a, a I guess kind of twist ending for both, but it didn't make sense and it was just over. Like I, yeah, I wasn't, uh, Definitely wasn't uh, a fan of either of these. You kind of snored your way through them. Um, first one, growing pains, is basically... Um, mm. First of all, if you're running a lab, lock the fucking door. Come on. Like, it doesn't matter what right. anybody... If you've got a young child in the house and you've got a lab with chemicals and animals, you'd lock the door. Uh, it just didn't make mm. sense. But the wee boy's down. He's walking through a lab, eating stuff. And that, that was my first, like, what the hell? He, what made you think that was a good idea? It gets explained in the episode, but like, Shit. and then <laughs> like, imagine being told as a kid, okay, you're going to get the act in this scene and crash through sugar glass. Like, that must have been awesome for that kid. Like, yay! Mm-hmm. You know, just crashing through a window and just mm-hmm. acting boogaloo, but yeah, it starts off, he has this fit and dies and then it just jumps to they're adopting another kid. It was like, what the fuck? These are two. And then you find out it's because yeah, he was high on acid. It's, it's like he died because yeah. of acid. It's like, that's not how no, it works. It's weird. But yeah, I was like, we didn't borrow this movie. I suppose we can skip through these quickly because fuck me. Was... Um, yeah, kid dies. And then next thing you know, they're adopting a new one a few years later. Didn't really give a time scale, but it wasn't that long after um, William dies. Um, 
all of a sudden they're bringing this other kid and this kid is creepy he's like a robot now my question is yeah. how did they not notice like they've been going through a process and they talk about they've been going through the adoption process they didn't just pick him up like in a pet store so they've been interacting with this kid well suppose supposedly mm-hmm. he changed like that was the thing was it was like the last couple of days before they came to pick him up to actually take him home. Um, the staff was saying they had noticed a change in his behavior. Yeah, it was because he just acted like a robot. It was like, why would you adopt the kid? If this is the way a kid's mm. been acting, why would you adopt them? Like if there's no rapport and he's been to your house and this is the way he's been going on. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's always a sudden change. Like I said, that, this one's just badly written and terrible. Mm. It just uh, goes back to the yard. That's, you know, the car even heading back. But why would you adopt a kid? These two are busy professionals who have lost a child and they've mm-hmm. obviously no time or patience for a new one. Like, that bit doesn't make sense. It's yeah. Just, you know, why would you even do it? Well, the thing that I'm still confused on is, was he a ghost? Was he a zombie? Like, what the fuck was he? And was the kid, like, did he have telekinetic powers? Like, just so much of it didn't th- make sense. I think he was like, none of it lined up. By the spirit of their son. Yeah, but then how does the fucking... I, I don't know. I was just confused by a uh, lot yeah, of it. Like I said, it was a really badly written episode. Um, mm-hmm. But once again, we're not sitting here with rose-tempered glasses going, everything in the past was brilliant, you know, in the 70s, 80s. This, this was mm-hmm. just a terrible episode. Just then, You didn't have any empathy for the any of the characters, so, yeah, it was kind of... Mm-hmm. And then even when... Uh, he was supposed to be. I know it was a low budget movie or TV show, and they didn't want loads of characters. But he's presenting as the whole point is the the father, the scientist, is trying to solve world hunger with a supplement mm-hmm. that he's grown from a particularly rare plant, and he's presenting his findings to mm-hmm. supposedly the World Health Organization or something, you know, some organization. Mm-hmm. And then he invites the two over to the house, and they act like complete dicks. And it's like. Yeah, it's like, well, fuck you for creating this thing when you get to eat beef for dinner. It's like, but that's the whole point is he's trying to create something to take care of people. Until they can get things sorted out. Like this whole, you know, and it's it's so representative to today's society. Everyone expects things to be fixed at a click of a switch and don't even look at the nuances of problems Mm -hmm. and that that there's layered problems and there's not one fucking ready-go solution that fixes everything. So... This, this is this guy's life work, and we'll find out, even to the detriment of his own family, he's dedicated himself to this. And then these two, well, it was uh, Noengi, the African guy, just pisses all over his parade, as if he's the worst fucking person mm. on the planet. And this guy's well-dressed. No, yeah. these two are well-dressed, well-fed, fucking rich people. It's not like there are two peasants mm. come to the house, so he's very hypocritical. It's kind of... Yeah, definitely. You have no empathy for any of these characters and I remember watching this the first time and didn't get it I think it switched off when I was a kid or just didn't get the whole plot but I remember the dog scene and fuck seems to be a thing we're killing pets in these two episodes which is a bit shit and uh, mm-hmm. fuck just even the kid at the end you didn't love me enough so that's why I ate your poison and killed myself yeah yeah, well, that didn't make sense. Like, at all. Loved them, so, if he had love from the mother and understood the father was a busy man, I just, I just, like I said, the whole thing just... Yeah, it, it wasn't 
yeah. No, it was not that good. Was <laughs> this is where I was disappointed, and then fuck. We can't even go into that plot because it wasn't much of a plot. It was just fucking. No, that that was yeah. Tumbles together. Yes, Roy kills himself because <laughs> Daddy doesn't love him, and then he decides he's going to kill Daddy in the afterlife mm-hmm. and ruin his life's work in a weird way because mm-hmm. he doesn't even kill him. He makes him disappear in the grave, and heads a oh, fuck. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then the mother becomes a psycho, and then takes the new kid, and they go to live happily ever after. Just yeah, fucking weird. Anyway. Mm-hmm. That, I was glad it was over. I was like, yeah. I was disappointing. Then the next one, the house that played mm-hmm. red. Um, yeah, that one. It was uh, another one that no, didn't make any fucking sense. Like, <laughs> this is my whole thing about ghost stories. I always ask, are ghosts fucking retarded? It's the only retarded people that have <laughs> ghosts that can't communicate with no community because half the ghost stories in the world can be solved with a bit of communication. I think. And it just, I was like, going, what, mm-hmm. the f- what the hell is this? So, first of all, husband kills the wife. Turns out, um, years later, family move into the house. And we get this whole thing of, oh, it's so cheap. So we know that he obviously got caught or came out in the news. We know it's a murder house. Mm-hmm. That is, I didn't know who that mm-hmm. was. Was he an estate agent? Was he a, because bank manager, have you ever known a bank manager to come to the house with you that you're about to buy? Yeah, no, I and to stick around yeah. as long as he did too. Like we kept seeing him in this show. Like I, I was very unclear as yeah, to what the fuck he was. Yeah, about him anyway, but still, it didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But this isn't normal. You know what I mean? You know it's not a normal family because he tries to get Jiggy on, and she's like, mm-hmm. "No, you promised her." As if, as if there was something deeper going on, but it wasn't. Then shit starts happening in the mm-hmm. house, and it just gets. Dumb, they tell him about the story. You know, the neighbors tell him about the story. And that's why. Mm-hmm. And then the spirit. But he was caught. Her body was removed. So she's not attached to the house. And he was brought to justice. So there's no reason for her to haunt the house. Because of mm-hmm. justice or her body not being found. There was no reason for the hauntings. It was funny, mm-hmm. though. The, I have to say, though, the whole kinky um, staring at the window looking at her babies sort of thing was funny. He's like, yeah, that, like, that was pretty like, fucking funny. Yes, and then he's getting riled up and she's getting riled up watching neighbours, like the whole voyeurism. Fucking... And then... Yeah. I was expecting this to be like a fucking swingers club or something. The way they were laying it. And then this mm-hmm. guy, I thought he was having a gay affair with the estate agent when he met him in the bar. Like, it was just... Fucking, mm-hmm. I don't know where this was going. Yeah, I don't yeah, think I they think did either. Like, Fuck it, let's just throw some tits in and fucking do this. And throw a screaming yeah. man and just fucking... We have some weapons, we have some actors, and we have a set. Yeah, let's just throw it together and see what happens. Uh, even back at cookeries are expensive. They're, they're the traditional life used by Nepalese Gurkha, Gurkha soldiers. You don't just have them hanging on the wall. Mm-hmm. They're antiques. Like, you don't have them hanging on the wall and sharpening them for use. They're they're hard to get. And you, you know, outside of Nepal. So it was weird to have those, but anyway, <laughs> probably just because we're scary looking knives. They're saying staggers of the, the Gurkha Regiment, you know what I mean? You don't just get those <laughs> willy nilly laying around. It's just a strange choice. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah I'm trying to think of good things to say about this episode. Yeah. It ended eventually. It was, so that was pretty the cool. funny bit with the family <laughs> watching them and getting off was funny. 
Yeah, that the, that was that was pretty good. That was about the the best the chuckle I got. Party. Yeah, it was dumb body. Yeah, but at the same time, that was they tried to about kid actors today. They'd all be in therapy. Do you know what I mean? So they had the kid, mm-hmm. like real kids, not fucking teenagers trying to pretend to be ten years old, but they're actual kids, and then they fucking spread them with blood. So that was yeah, hilarious. that shit was hilarious. You couldn't do that today. The fucking all the kids would be traumatized if that happened. To, you know, even enacted, they'd be they'd, they'd mm-hmm. all be like yeah, suing the company for doing it to them. So that's something, I suppose. Then it turns out that it was a scam that there were busy plants to for this guy to write a book which mm-hmm. so they wanted to get i suppose it makes sense in the times of you know you'd only three channels if something was newsworthy it was newsworthy it wasn't as if today where you know everything's on display and it takes a lot for something to go viral so maybe that's part of it but this is all a setup to make it look scary the busy this guy to the mm-hmm write a book about it and sell it. Shit fucking premise, to be honest. Yeah, it was yeah, definitely it was like, lacking. What the hell? And then he... I suppose the twist of the good bit, if you want to call it that, was this guy killed the cat. Because, of course, that's another one where a pet dies as if it's being traumatized. So he, mm-hmm. he killed the cat to traumatize the young girl. To sell a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, pretty much. And that's I, I that's such a fucking lazy ass device to use in uh, in anything really is you know rape and animal harm. Like you don't have to do that to prove that somebody's a bad guy. Like they we've can just, just be seen, a bad guy. We've just seen and we'll how many examples in this episode alone of movies where we've got bad guys who don't do that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I mean? and yeah, it's it's not necessary. Yeah, it's one of the things I always hear that when they bring the family pet, you know the family pet's going to die. It's just fucking crap. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Yeah, but good good payoff at the end. I think the I think that villa that was a Spanish villa, so the, they said Cal, they moved to California, but now nah, it was a it was a Spanish villa, so the, probably because of shooting. You know, he's done these guys. So probably it was either south of France mm-hmm. or uh, Spain. The shot that scene in, mm-hmm. but the set was California. But then the wee girl discovers that he deliberately killed the cat to make a book. So that that was kind of the ending. That she comes in with a with one of the knives to kill him. But once mm-hmm. again, it was just a, oh god, it was just a letdown. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, not too. Uh, Shame the finish is showing a bit of a downer in terms of, you know what I mean, because we had so much excellent material, but I suppose there must be balance in the force. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of how yeah, I, I look at it. <laughs> two bad episodes. But that's a good thing about being episodal, though, because hopefully the next ones will be better. And we'll pick it up mm-hmm. again, because it's not a series. So we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Well... Hope you enjoyed it. We went on for a while here. This this has actually been a really good one in depth. So I suppose <laughs> last thing to do is let's see who we had is to thank our authors for this month of November with some mm-hmm. good stories. Uh, scroll down the bottom, sorry. Ah shit, just lost it. 
that's <laughs> real too much. <laughs> there we go. So this this uh, month's authors uh, check out the episodes uh, with Tiffany Linfield, Stephen Bruce, and J T Morse. And there's another story by some idiot, but I'm not talking about him. He's crap. Yeah, fucking. Yeah, fuck yeah, that guy. Self-moting. You know what I mean? Why would you do that in the podcast? Disgraceful. <laughs> but yeah, check those authors out. Make sure you uh, like and subscribe. Follow the guys' platforms as well. You know, give the whole point is is to try and bring back a bit of creativity again into the stratosphere, even if it's low level, yeah. so be it. But let's let's try and get independent creators because we've seen how lazy and shit the mainstream uh, media is and they're just not even trying anymore. So apart from the odd rare gem, which we will mm. try and find and talk about. And of course, if you have any suggestions, things we should check out, dump them in the comments and we'll... Uh, yeah, absolutely. On it. But thanks for sticking with us. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And until next time, keep it creepy. Keep it horrific. Keep it horrific.